tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea. Piping hot, so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via WhatsApp at 324-1612. Email tips at caymanmorrowroad.com. Now, here's your host, Sandy Hill, broadcasting live from the beautiful Cayman Islands.
alligators and crocodiles mate? The answer is no, they can't. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Hold on, okay? Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. Came in. Top news headlines of the day from CMR. Good morning, Sandy. How are you? Hey, good morning. The more important question is, if they could mate, what would they be called? Well, that's what we were we were yeah. saying. Is it oh. an alodile or a crocodile? Maybe. Yeah, I like alodile. I think that does you know kind of flow better. Alodile. Alodile. Yeah, those things it are dangerous. Sound as, it doesn't. Well, no, it does actually sound kind of scary. Yeah. Alodile. An alodile. The K-man. The alodman dial. In a world <laughs> where alodiles roam the planet. That sounds yeah. super. Humans long Super crazy. they destroyed the earth. All right, let's get to it. What's, uh, you know, what happened? How did this kid get positive? Oh, my gosh. We don't even know. Okay, we, so we they're not know. contact tracing. Do we know how why they were tested? Um, I'm assuming the only reason why they'd be testing is the child was sick in some capacity. Okay, like had to be taken to the hospital and be admitted. So let me, let me just clear hmm. a few things up. So uh, your family member is positive uh yeah. her two children or the two children in the house were not positive right no, no she only has an adult son okay and he was so it was the adult son and a neighbor that okay. apparently um were positive that was a north side and what were what were the two kids last week that were tested uh, they were they were kids that had come in contact with i guess the the son or the neighbor, I'm not quite sure actually. And, and did they go to Georgetown Primary School? No, they were Clifton Hunter students. Ah, yeah. So it right. seems like this may not be. I mean, it's hard to tell because again, one of the issues that uh we're having is people are not being entirely honest with contact tracers, is what I have heard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so um, you know that presents issues because are they related you know i don't know well i mean eventually once you start putting dots together something's gonna make sense you would hope so by the way if you're listening uh, right now georgetown primary school is closed today yeah don't go in yeah if you're a parent that has kids there or whatever um yeah just it's closed until you receive word uh, when you're when you're so they're going uh, test test yeah. so to test all those students, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, wow. I, mean, I guess that's part of their protocols. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they sent that out last night at like midnight, the government. So was there... Yes, I'll tell you what happened. Yeah. Is um, I sent a message. <laughs> we actually knew that something was afoot. Okay. we sent a message um, saying... What's going on? Oh, did you force shit. them to send? Oh my god! Uh, did you force them to send a uh, press release? Oh my god! We got some breaking news here for you. What you got? Okay. Well, remember how this story just keeps getting more bizarre by the minute. Remember how we were saying that um, the helper in the other household wasn't positive. Mm -hmm. Now she's positive. Mm. You're hearing it here first. So this is now a fourth person positive. Yes. So the oh. helper. So the helper w was a helper for which household? For the elderly lady, for my family member. Okay. 
Right. But this is what I said and when so we were the, talking. So it's going to take a little bit of time for positives to, you know, true, to manifest themselves. Yes. So originally the, the thought was the helper passed it on, but but that wasn't the case. But now the helper is right positive. because, um, you know, there was kind of this thinking that, well, if the helper wasn't positive and she didn't have any immediate travel history, um, you know, who could say that she passed it on? Right. Yeah, that was the thinking. Mm -hmm. And so then the suspects of who might have contracted it from somebody else obviously became the son and the neighbor. But now I've just read my messages. Well, but if she's test positive after they've already test positive and that she couldn't have been the person. No, she would have tested tested positive after testing negative. But remember, I mean, it depends on when she was exposed, right? Yeah, but I mean, she would have tested positive back that before the other people got if, if she right? was right if she was the one who infected them yes yeah yeah so so she's just basically another she's obviously what's gonna start happening is fourth community transmission yep and so yeah. once then that person is in contact with how many people yeah. but i'm assuming she's in everyone's in quarantine even if they i don't know yeah was the helper is the helper in quarantine uh, well, I guess she's going to be now. <laughs> no, but I mean... Well, but when they have quarantined them after being in contact with positive right. cases? Because then why is everyone else in contact, in quarantine, if they're not going to, if they're going to say, oh, it's negative, just go out? Um, you know what I mean? That, that, there's no point yeah. of anyone else being in quarantine if they can show a PCR test that's negative. Right. It has uh, to be me, across the board the same. Confirm. Yeah. Yeah, and then how, how do we know that she, you know, is positive now? Did she... Is she in quarantine and she's being tested again after, has it been five days? Maybe it's been five days. Mm-hmm. You know, since last, it was last week. Well, then it would have been, then it would have been the test at the last, on the day that you right. would be released, which right. then, now manifests into COVID. So now she would remain in quarantine. Yeah. You, well, you hope, you hope she's in quarantine and hasn't been oh my. in contact with a bunch of people in the last five days. Yes. Yeah. Wow. This so. is crazy. But yeah, I mean... Georgetown Primary, stay home. But that's, it's going to be a good, I, I would imagine there'll be a press conference today, right? Don't you think so? Well, now they're, they're going to have to. Well, I would think so. Yeah, they're going to have to, they're going to have to have a, a press conference today. Yeah. You got a lot of answering to do. Wow. We oh, need to know more specifics now. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And certainly, you know, who, who are the parents of this uh, year six student at Georgetown Primary and and contact trace all of, you know, all of that. That's going to take well, yeah, some time. Yeah, then their co-workers. Yes. I mean, it's, <laughs> hopefully we don't get the call. Now anyone can get a call. Just mm-hmm. FYI. And and who are they? And have they ever? No calls yet. And have Phew. they have they done an interview in the KISS FM studio in the last week or two? <laughs> hopefully not. Once we find, you know, we're going to, they have to kind of share more information so we can say, oh, wow, well, we were in contact. You would not have That's known true. that at all. Now let me like no one, Sandy. Say you would have tested positive, I and no one would have known that you and I would have had contact because we ran into each other, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's like we need to kind of maybe know a little bit more details so that we can offer to assist. Like I would go get a COVID test if I had to, just to make sure that I'm not asymptomatic and spreading it to other people. Anyway, there's there's my spiel. Mm-mm. It's a hot mess. It um, is a hot mess right now. Yeah, it really, it really is. That's a very appropriate term at this particular time. 
Yeah. So then, you know, what and then what protocols um, are in place or what is the government doing now or going to mandate for schools? We had this big conversation on Friday mm-hmm. yeah. uh, about the most vulnerable population in Cayman or in the world right now. And that's children. Yeah. I mean, I had a conversation with uh, my kid's pediatrician yesterday because I had to bring Finn in for uh, turns out he has strep throat. Um, but we were wearing masks, and then we went to uh, fill the prescription. Wore masks the whole time. Even him, as a almost three year old, he kept it. He kept it on. Um, but it's she. You know, she kind of was asking a couple of questions more about my like, are we vaccinated? The fill and uh, yeah, I mean, we've got to start having these conversations about the ones that cannot get vaccinated because this year one is under the age of being able to be vaccinated for COVID, who's just tested positive. Yeah positive too. So it's time to have the conversation and not just like act like, well, they probably won't get sick because, you know, they're, it's fine. Yes, they probably won't. But what if they do? Sandy, there's a message here uh, from Dr. Lee that came out this morning. I'm assuming it's from this morning. Let me just play this really quick and see what it is. Hold on. Good morning, K-Man. I want to reassure the community that public health is doing everything to ensure the safety of our students. We can all appreciate that this is a very difficult time for many of us in the community. However, it is best not to spread misinformation and to cooperate with public health officials at this time. I'm thankful that we are a highly vaccinated community, which will serve us well during times like these. All right. So that was basically what that was about the primary, what he said in the, uh, the press release. So yeah. um, you can hear his dog pants in the background. Yeah. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> That's that dog for COVID. I think Dr. Lee's in quarantine. Yeah. Right now. Yes. Uh, oh, it's yeah. crazy. Well, well, here we well. Go. there'll be a lot to uh, to uncover today. And yes, I think so. Have, I'm sure you'll um, have it on your show and, you know, what we hear as well, we'll uh, put up on Facebook if we know yeah. anything. But can we just say really quick, don't panic by over this. Yeah. It's not like... The ch- the chain is not gonna end. The like supply the, chain is fine. We're fine. It's yeah. and, and toilet paper. Stop is, buying toilet paper. Toilet paper is not gonna protect you from COVID. And also, why yes. do you need so much toilet paper? Like, what is the going reason, on in your bathroom? It might look like I panic buy when I go to cost you less because no, I buy in bulk, but I buy in bulk like, yes once because when I, I need it. I like the Kirkland brand. Yeah, and, and they it, had it back. Whenever they have it back, they I just back. I go and and buy as much as I can. That yep. fills the cart. Yeah. I love their okay. I love their paper towels and I love the toilet paper. Kirkland, are you down with Kirkland? <laughs> what is that? Is that your phrase now? <laughs> here's here's Blake's phrase. Are you down with Kirkland? <laughs> Get this guy a sponsorship. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> All right, Sandy. Uh, All right, guys. We'll uh, we'll catch up on everything tomorrow morning. Yes. I'm sure, it'll for be sure. interesting. All right, Have catch me now on uh, YouTube right. and, and uh, Facebook. Aaron, what you got coming up? All right, folks. Um, give me one second here. I'm just grabbing my uh, my bearings a little bit. Um, please don't forget that um, you can join us on our backup YouTube channel. Um, just search for Kiwan Mall Road. You should find two YouTube channels with pretty much the same name. Slightly different logo, but that's us. And... Uh, yeah, we got a situation in our hands this morning that we're going to have to break down. And I think the key is not to panic. I know that the, um, you know, initial response 
might be to panic, but that gets us nowhere. And uh, it achieves little or nothing. So here's what we know, folks. Uh, late last night, I actually received a message. So I'm going to just back it up here for a second. I received a message around, um, let me just see here. Give me one second. I'm actually going to just post this up on the website. I know a lot of people want to catch the show. Um, so I want to make sure that this goes out immediately. So I received a message in WhatsApp to say, hey, Sandy, I'm hearing of a positive case. Um, this is a parent at Georgetown Primary, and I don't want to send my child to school if this is the case. And at first I thought, this can't be the case. This doesn't sound right. And I, of course, always ask the question because you just never know. That was around, let me give you, let me get my bearings here. Um, that was at 1017. I immediately sent the message to the powers that be, the sources that be. And um, well, 1045, I sent it. And then I didn't really get a response until about 11.15 to say, how late are you going to be up? And I said, I'm not sure because I got a, I got a lot of um, work to do. So looking back on it, it was a peculiar question <laughs> to ask, uh, especially who it was coming from. But I just chalked it up to uh, maybe they wanted to have a quick conversation. And um, they were simply inquiring as to how late they could probably call. Because you guys know me. Certain people can call me 24-7 if I'm up. So I didn't think too much about it. And um, then at about, um, let me see what time that was. Oh, gosh. I got another message at about um, uh, 12.41 that there had been a positive case um, at Georgetown Primary School. So... Uh -uh. I'm assuming the child was symptomatic only because a lot of children have actually been sick. A lot of children. I told you guys last week when I uh, took my daughter for her checkup, the powers that be, the, the physician was saying, you know, this year we've had a lot of sick kids out. And um, honestly, it's... Uh, partly because they were all locked up during COVID and they weren't around each other and we were containing the situation. Everybody was masked up and sanitizing and all this sort of stuff. And now that they're back out, um, clearly the situation has changed. So, um, you know, the doctor wasn't entirely surprised by that. 
And as you guys know, my daughter got sick, not with flu-like symptoms, but gastroenteritis, which is another thing that has been spreading like wildfire. So it turns out, folks, that a child in year six, how old would year six be? At Georgetown Primary is positive. And then I just got word that the helper of... Um, the helper of the elderly lady, remember last week we were saying that she was uh, negative? Well, it turns out that the helper is actually positive now as well, which just means that her viral load is probably not enough. So I don't know if the helper went into quarantine last uh, last week or not. I'm, I'm actually asking someone this question now. And this goes back to the protocols that are being used when they do contact tracing. Now, listen to me very, very carefully. There are people who are involved in the um, contact tracing situation. In other words, people who have come in contact with others who are not entirely being honest with who they've been in contact with. And this is a problem. And I've always said this, contact tracing is as good as what? As good as how honest people are. 454 of you tuned in. Kevin, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Sandra. Good morning, Kiman. How are you? Let's say good morning to a few people. We've got Andy. Leroy, Miss Alice, Richie, Ronaldo Jr., good morning. Catherine is here. Louisa, Ervelyn, Felicia, Jazara, uh, Vernita's here, Jackie. Uh, yes, Catherine, Georgetown Primary is closed. So one positive student in year six, and they have uh, launched what they call their protocol, COVID protocol measures, which means that they've closed the school. The school. And parents, I understand, someone just sent me a WhatsApp, this message, saying that parents are still showing up. This is what someone just sent me at 7.02 a.m. Morning, hun. Parents that have kids in John Gray and Georgetown Primary have been sent, have sent their kids to John Gray, even after being told by government to not send their kids to school. Please speak, mention to this this morning because people are not listening. And I personally left my John Gray kid at home because I know persons that did this and I'm not putting my child at risk until results are in and more information is giving, uh, given. Sadly, this is our reality. Wow. What on earth? Um, so the Georgetown Primary School, it was announced last night, was closed after a year six student tested positive. They're asking that all Georgetown primary parents, you've got to pay attention parents, students and their families should remain at home. So that means that even if you're a parent, you shouldn't be going to work today. It says that you should remain at home until you've been contacted on Tuesday morning by school administration and advised of a time that their year group will be tested. So yes, they will have to test now the entire school, it looks like. I guess um, doctor's hospital is going to be pretty busy. 
with all the testing. Remember, they use them to assist with testing. Uh, practice, please. Social distancing, even within family members, don't be going to the grocery store. All precautions now you should be utilizing hand hygiene, physical distancing, and school facilities and buses are being sanitized. And of course, they have counselors available uh, to you should you need it. So good morning, Ms. Carol says uh, in the UK, kids get tested weekly, schools are open and everything's fine. Please no panic buying and no lockdown. I had people from last night calling for lockdown. I was like, already? Seems a bit drastic, but Sabrina, Leroy, thank you so much. Jasara says people need to keep a list of the places they go, dates and times, and the people they come in contact with. Shall anything like this happen, they can better help with contact tracing. I'm doing it, it's a good idea. Um, Carol says we need to live with this. The who admitted that manage it and carry on. Um, Kevin, are you surprised at these more recent community cases? Absolutely not. No. I remember um, the last time I was on Sandra, I, I did yeah. say, um, based on the initial information of what we knew of what was going on at the time with the couple of people with clear community transmission, when that occurred, uh, one of the things that I, I recommended is people needed to start wearing their mask out and about again, even if it's not widespread community transmission, mm -hmm. which I don't necessarily think you're really at that level yet. Um, one of the things is you need to start getting that mindset back in because it is going to be in the not so distant future, something that's going to be part of the, the new normal or the normal that you're going to have to carry out um, when you're around other people. So. I mean, just getting the practice of, of, well, one, remembering how to wear a mask properly. And when you're out and about, um, make sure that you are doing so, um, especially when you're around people outside your household and in and, and, and close contact situations where you're not able to really social distance. Um, if you're out at an event and you're around people, just, just be um, the one to set the example to start wearing a mask. Um, it's, it's really important. Um, again, I don't think it's completely, um, of course, the data will start to come in now that they're testing a whole lot more people to really get a good sample of, of how widespread the situation is. Um, but one of the things, that some of the indicators that tells me that it's not widespread is one, you're not seeing a real rise in, in people getting sick, even though you have a good high amount of people that are vaccinated there, you're not seeing a lot more evidence so far of a lot of sick people um, mm -hmm. Some of these cases seem to be picked up right now um, by some of the, the the more targeted testing that's that's carried out. And so um, then uh, public health in, came in really trying to take a larger sample size to see how, how big the issue really is. Is kind of, you know, think of it as a police detective carrying out an investigation. Well, there are health detectives carrying out an investigation mm -hmm. to kind of see where are we with this situation. And then we could, um, you know, put in the next steps. And, and so one of the, the, the things where I would say is, is something that needs to improve um, mm. is, is again, that public communication, especially mm. if this, this happened at the wee hours of the night when most people are already asleep, um, there is going to be a lot of confusion um, with people um, not exactly understanding or knowing what 
what's going on. They're waking up to this news. Some people might not be monitoring the news or the other things out there. So there, of course, there's going to be a lot of confusion. Um, so this is the time where um, communication would need to step up and, and start a lot more messaging one to, to make sure people are remaining um calm and not panicking because this is not a situation to be panicking about um mm -hmm. it's something that is concerning absolutely but it's not something that oh my goodness it's the end of the world that's not yeah what we yeah um the next thing is they need and to let me just put out there that apparently um the reason why um there is concern about john gray is that evidently John Gray has also issued some sort of a notice, <clears throat> which I'm going to have a look at here in a second. But uh, a family member of the child, a sibling, actually attends John Gray as well. So I'm just going to pull this up here on the screen for the benefit of our listeners so that they know in real time what is actually happening. So Kevin, just give me one quick second to do this. So this is a notice that has gone out to John Gray. Um, parents and families says, please see the attached press release regarding a positive case at Georgetown primary. Please note the advice therein. John Gray's open this morning and staff and students should wear masks. If your child has a sibling at Georgetown primary, they should not come to school, but should attend the designated time for testing at Georgetown primary and remain home until all results or until results are clear following the all necessary advice, following all necessary advice. Please monitor your email and social media outlets throughout the day for any updates. Thank you for your support. Extra vigilance and care as we continue to do what we all need to do um, to protect our school, family, and community. So again, if you have a child at um, John Gray, of course, a lot of children are connected to each other. They have siblings, younger siblings, older siblings, whatever the case may be. So the um, advice there is, um, and that should apply for any school really, because you can have someone going to Georgetown Primary who has a sibling in a private school even, you know? So um, folks uh, take good advice um, and just be extremely cautious uh, if you've got someone a child in particular who would have contact with a child from another school or in your household um, take the necessary precautions until we can get an idea of how widespread this potential latest community outbreak is so again if you're just joining the show good morning daisy good morning maria um you know thank you guys so much for tuning in so we know that we have a year six georgetown um, primary school positive and we also now have the helper who had tested positive or negative last week. It looks like they're still, um, I'm wondering if they, I'm gonna confirm here in a second. I'm hoping they had her in quarantine um, and maybe they were testing before they released her from quarantine um, or from isolation. She has now likewise um, tested positive as well. So that is essentially three persons from a single household. She's not a live-in helper. So now, you know, there's concern there. So she's definitely not a live-in helper. Um, so it's it's the elderly lady who I've said, full disclosure, happens to be a relative of mine, um, her son and the helper now, and then a neighbor who lives sort of in close proximity um, sort of thing. So yes, Kevin. 
Yeah, and as what, to the point of what you're saying, initially she didn't test positive. It was likely but she was certainly just not positive at the time. One of the things it doesn't, if you're just exposed to the virus, yeah. you're not going to test positive for day one and day two, most likely. Somewhere between three and five days is when you start to have enough viral, right. virus load in your body for it to start to be detected. Yeah. But it could take, for some people, up to 14 days. Right. And so any time up to 14 days, you could still be testing negative because um, sometimes your immunity might be, or your own immune system, especially if it's a fully vaccinated person, um, sometimes that could just be wiping it out and you won't even get it at all. Because one of the things is there are a lot of fully vaccinated people like myself, I'm exposed to it quite often in my work environment. Um, I'm around a lot of sick people and I know my mask is only offering um, some protection. And Mm -hmm. so, but I have not been positive because I am fully vaccinated and the chance of me getting positive is much lower. Doesn't mean I won't ever get the virus it doesn't mean that i'm completely exempt and and so people got to understand that getting fully vaccinated is is certainly one of the things to reduce the chance of you getting it but i'm still not going to be superman um because i'm I'm definitely around it Mm. and then of course um one of the concerns here is that um already a lot of people are playing politics with this which is very very unfortunate uh, Rachel says data shows the best way to protect unvaccinated children is for the adults and older siblings around them to get vaccinated. Um, educators, bus drivers, food servers, cleaners at school, as well as parents and kids over 12 need to be vaccinated. Please encourage those who aren't jabbed yet to do so for themselves, their families, their little ones. We need our protection. And um, to that point, Rachel, I think it's high time that the government decided to mandate, especially in schools, uh, mandatory vaccination. Kevin, your thoughts on on that proposition? Yeah, so I personally believe that um, the vaccine should be mandatory um, for certain settings. And and I do believe um, a setting like a school setting, especially when you have a lot of children who are not yet eligible. I mean, um, children, but low 12 years old will likely not even el- ever be eligible until um, sometime between Halloween and Christmas time. Somewhere between that time is, is when the changes will likely be made um, based on the latest information that, that we have. So mm-hmm. protecting those individuals, um, those, those children is extremely important. And, and I personally believe, you know, no one wants to be told what to do. I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the the resistance immediately, the red flags that comes up when the government is telling you you need to do this. But you got to realize that um, it's not even just about you, but it's about the wider community. And also it falls back on the government because mm-hmm. if you get sick and a lot of other people get sick or whether you get sick or not, but you pass it to someone and get sick. And then we have a situation that it's a domino effect. Um, when you knock one over, they're all going to start eventually falling down. You're going to stress the hospital system. And when you have the 
hospital system that's completely stressed. Let's say you're not even going there for COVID. Let's say you got there for a car accident. Let's say you go there because of some other illness. For whatever reason, you have to go to the hospital for. Mm -hmm. And you have a lot of sick people being cared for by the hospital staff that pretty much filled up the hospital. Mm -hmm. Now you're affecting the care for everyone else that's coming in for all of the other routine things, whether it's some other elective surgery that you have because you had, you know, maybe you need a knee replacement or some hip replacement or some other issue that you would require to be in the hospital for some period of time for and so if that's all stress you have already a, a, a worldwide nursing shortage i know we're, we're, we're having a hard time finding and keeping nurses here in the united states so if we have the problem here in uh, i live in, in in a medical tourism state the state of florida if we're having trouble keeping up with with that you could only imagine the stress and, and the situation that Cayman is in. Because what happens when you're in Cayman and you need a little bit more advanced treatment? Isn't it Florida that you go to usually? Unless if you don't have a visa to be able to get there, you end up probably going to Jamaica. Well, Jamaica is certainly not where you want to go right now. Florida is also not where you want to go right now for your advanced medical care. So if you could get care in Cayman, that's going to be the better option. But what happens when Cayman also gets stress? That is something you need to think about. And so, yes, I know there's may, many questions you might have about um, the vaccine. And I'm speaking directly to those who are not yet vaccinated. You might have a lot of questions about, you know, you don't quite understand it. You think that it was rushed too fast. I mean, th th there is an answer. And I would really encourage you to, if you don't want to reach out to me, reach out to, you know, someone from HSA or, again, reach out to Sandra and she will point you because I know Sandra's been doing a lot of research and studying on, on on trying to get good credible information out there because there's a lot of disinformation out there that's circulating and that is so dangerous because it's adding a lot of confusion another yeah. thing that's adding to the confusion is even the credible websites I'm going to say uh, and, and the CDC is a great organization it is the gold standard here in the Western world here especially here in the states but a lot of the information on there is kind of hard to read sometimes it gets a little yeah. confusing and and so you know sometimes if you if you don't have the time to really invest in, in getting that information out there please trust at least the individuals that you tend to trust and and that is mm -hmm. when you get sick where do you end up going do you go to social media and diagnose yourself or do you end up going to the hospital yes sometimes it might work if you go on social media but that's probably not a good idea i mean there's a saying that i always used to hear when i was younger use your good caymanian common sense please people and use that to better yourself and make sure that you're staying healthy. Yes, I mean, you know, we're, we're receiving um, messages from um, individuals who are at Wyndham, for example, who see people walking around in the quarantine area. So I don't know if that person is supposed to be in quarantine, if there's somebody else just kind of walk in the quarantine area. So it seems like we need to tighten things up a little bit. Uh, buenos dias to Miss Alba. Uh, Maria saying toilet paper is going to be needed prior to opening up too soon. Um, again, you know, the panic buying is not necessary, folks. You only add to the problem. Um, how do they discover the helpers positive now after testing her next last week? So Jasara, I can only assume and I'm trying to get some confirmation on this, that she might have still been in isolation. And so as a result of that, they were testing her again, uh, which is which is quite typical, actually. 
Yeah, think about all the charges that come in. Before you come to Cayman, you have to get a yeah. negative test. And then once you get here and get your negative test, before you test out of quarantine, you have to take a test or you won't get out of quarantine. So it, it makes sense that um, it was, you know, that's kind of what happened. Of course, just the big... Mm one of the things you don't want to do is just assume um so right. it's always good to get that official confirmation but it exactly. makes sense that you know the first test she could have came back negative because she yeah. just didn't have enough viral load inside her yeah. to protect and it. This, is, this is something that i struggled with um constantly trying to explain to people even last year and into this year in terms of the pandemic because everybody's like oh well this person had a negative test and i said well the reason why you have a quarantine period of 14 days is because you've got that window of possibility, although the vast majority of people will show symptoms um, if they're going to be symptomatic or test positive within that first five days. That's why we have reduced it to five days saying, okay, you know, if we even catch 80% of the people, then, um, you know, that's something to be said. But uh, people are simply, they don't have enough of the virus in their, sim in their system to give a positive result. And so that is what happens. That explains how you can in one week be negative, and then the following week, um, test positive. And think so, about it, Sandra. I mean, people you got to understand that you know it's not when when someone contracts this, it's not the same for everyone. Yeah. Think about it. When you had the flu, you might have flu inside your household. One person mightn't get it at all. One person might have it really, really bad, and one person might have yeah. it somewhere in the middle. So every time those individuals are coughing up their yuck, and if you were to test the how much virus is inside that that specimen that they're coughing up, you can yeah. see that there's different levels of it. So, you know, you just got to understand that it's, it's not, you can't compare it and, and say everything's equal because it's not. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you. Ms. Brenda says that non-essential travel needs to stop. Um, it's not supposed to be non-essential travel is a thing, Ms. Brenda, but um, it seems to, to still be happening. And remember now, non-essential travel coming in could also mean people who are coming in on work permits. Um, someone said to me, I think it was yesterday, <clears throat> that in relation to quarantine breaches, that what they need to start doing is finding people the $10,000 and holding the employers responsible for that, because oftentimes employees are going to have it anyway, but the employer likely doesn't have it but starting to hold employers responsible and maybe they will take, take a more keen interest if they're bringing somebody in on a work permit to ensure that they are following all the correct protocols. I mean, going back to this lady um, who breached quarantine, uh, not breached quarantine, sorry, but came in with a positive test result. Um, I have to wonder, you know, if, if my helper just, I don't know what position she was coming, but let's assume she was domestic, right? If I had someone coming in in a work permit and they were coming in a particular flight, I would even say to them during these times, hey, um, screenshot me a copy of your COVID test result, you know, because I would want to know for my own self that their test results are fine. It seems like everyone has just let down their guard and haven't been doing um, what they need to do which is quite sad because now we see the implications of that and putting the the blame squarely on um the government is um not entirely fair you know because there's only so much that the government can do even when the government had a complete lockdown and the previous government had a complete lockdown people were not being compliant you guys were still out there um spreading this virus 
And so, you know, you've got to really um, be cognizant of how we get a hold of this. How do we get this back under control? And one of the ways um, you do that is to really uh, follow the necessary protocols that are in place to a T, no exceptions. Well, Sandra, you, you, your, your show is called what? The Cold Hard Truth, right? Yes, absolutely. The cold hard truth is, and, and people need to sit down if they're not ready for this, but the cold hard truth is COVID is here to stay in the Cayman Islands forever. Um, it's not going away on, okay, I, I, I say unless the government does a complete shutdown for two weeks, no movement, no anywhere. And that's just, I don't even think that that's in the yes. books at all. That's not something that's likely going to happen. The probability of that happening is, is extremely, extremely low. So... Yeah. The real question is, how do we live with it? Well, the best defense is, first of all, get vaccinated. I had a, a conversation, a very tense conversation with one of my family members just last night because um, that individual is choosing not to get vaccinated. And I've, I've been a little upset. Um, and, and um, you know, it's very personal because mm -hmm. I am seeing firsthand and I'm explaining I am seeing firsthand what is going on right here in Florida and, and what I am dealing with here. And um, I'm, I'm not happy that that's the decision. But at the same time, all I could do is say, I love you very much. I'm really, really begging you to please do this. I know you have some questions about it, but I'm trying to answer all of your questions. Just, just trust me on this one. This is is, are there any reasons why they haven't? Like, have they given you a reason that you can understand? Uh, once I pressure for, just give me a reason so I could at least answer. Um, two things came out of this individual's mouth. One was that they just don't want it. I'm like, okay, well, let's break it down a little bit more. Tell me the next thing. Why don't you want it? And then, again, the defense came back and was like, I, I just don't want it. Uh, you, how can you give someone and started to be argumentative? You can't give me something I don't want. I said, no, no, I can't. I'm not saying that. Right. You're just trying to understand why you would want something. Why. So after a very long time of back and forth with that same exact rhetoric, we got yeah. down was is experimental. And so I spent the next 10 minutes lecturing on experimental. And, and you did a very good job. I think it was yesterday, um, if I remember correctly, explaining, you know, this thing's been around for a decade. This technology is not mm -hmm. new technology. Um, well, the technology has been around for 50 years. Yeah. Um, 10 years, it's already been used in a cancer vaccine that a lot of people may not know about. Maybe if you've never had cancer, you wouldn't necessarily need to know that. But it's already being used in at least one other vaccine for the past 10 years. And yeah. obviously, there hasn't been any issues because it's still being used. And then um, I got into what hospitals are observing. I mean, I yeah. think um, some data from Bahamas, but I mean, a lot of hospitals here are now showing exactly what's going on. You have more than 90, somewhere between usually 90 to 95% of people who are hospitalized because of COVID are unvaccinated. And usually somewhere less than 5 to 10%, depending on where you are. Um, and, and again, it all depends if you're in an area with aged population, if you have a lot of old people that live in that area or, or a good diverse people, group of people. So that's why there's a bit of range in that. But let's, let's, let's give it 10% are hospitalized who are fully vaccinated and 90%, let's say, are unvaccinated. Out of that, those who are fully vaccinated, such a, what you call statistically irrelevant, very, very little people who are fully vaccinated are dying because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very few. 
compared to the amount of people who are dying without being vaccinated. And those right. who are hospitalized um, are likely either not, they haven't received the full um, two doses, um, so that they're not fully covered by the best um, benefits the vaccine can offer, mm-hmm. or they just happen to be a breakthrough case and they have a lot of other things going on. They already <laughs> probably were older people and they had just, they were, they were fighting cancer or they had some other issues in their life, some other stuff that, that was, um, affected because of what COVID brings on. COVID brings on um, mm-hmm. cardiac issues. It brings on breathing issues, respiratory issues. It brings on a lot of other things. And if you had something maybe tiny, and mm-hmm. it just made it, it, it made it upset. It, it made it very, very angry. And and so sometimes the way your body responds to that might land you in the hospital. But mm-hmm. out of the amount of people that that's been vaccinated, that's a, such a smaller percentage. Um, where it really shows how effective the vaccine really is. And, mm-hmm. and people really need to understand that, yes, you could get it, but the chance of you not getting really sick with it, the chance of you ending up in the hospital, and the chance of you dying is just, it just it's low. So use the best judgment you have, listen to the experts that are out there that is really sharing this information and just... Just take that, that leap of faith. I know it's, it's a scary moment. I'm going to tell you, even for me, in the very early days when the vaccines were just about to come out, um, and, and of course, my task here is to message and, 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 and promote the vaccine and mm-hmm. um, because that's my job. My job is public health. And right. so, you know, I was like, okay, this is this seems kind of fast to me. I don't, this is not something I've ever been really used to. I didn't ever understand vaccines and stuff prior to the pandemic, really. I knew about vaccines, but not really all of the behind the scenes and what goes into it. And so I was also very, very skeptical with the whole entire thing. But I work for someone who is a scientist, um, my, my health officer, Dr. Douglas Holt, and um, he is a very well-known, respected person in this, this community in the state of Florida. And so, you know, I had a good conversation with him and and he, you know, explained to me some of his knowledge and, you know, his own investigation on, on, you know, when he was looking into it and he talked about, you know, he was going to get it and he was going to make his children get it and his other family members get it. Well, if this guy that absolutely knows the science behind it and does his research, if he's getting it, he's going to get his family vaccinated, he's going to get promote it himself because he's going to go publicly and and get the joke publicly um that tells me something that tells me that this this person definitely is a supporter of it and you know what he wasn't it wasn't him alone that was good enough for me because i also work with other people that also did the same exact thing now we didn't have as much one-on-one but i also know that they got it they are also pushing it and they were some of the first people who were dealing with the first set of patients. Again, for those who might not know, the very first case that happened in the state of Florida, not the United, United States, it was out in California and stuff, but the, what, the first case that happened in Florida happened to be in my county, the county that I am serving. Mm. And so when I got the phone call, it happened to be the leap day. It was February 29th. And I got the phone call from my boss said, you're going to get a call from the governor's office we just had a confirmed COVID case and um, they're going to call you and you need to set up a press conference. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh my goodness, this is getting real. 
Well, that phone call shortly came from the governor's office, his press office, and said, hey, Kevin, and um, I need you to set up a press conference at your state lab at 10 o'clock. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, it's been real since then. It's been yeah. crazy. And it just com completely started to unfold. So from day one for the state of Florida, I have been personally very, very, very involved with the response. And I have learned a whole lot. In fact, there's a lot of things that initially that was understood evolved because think about it this way mm. do change over the over time as you understand more this was what you call the novel case and, and if you really remember covid wasn't called covid initially it was it had other names before it evolved into covid 19 or sars cov 19. so mm. i mean there's a lot of things that evolved over time the way we knew that this virus Spread was also something that changed over time. So recommendations also changed over time. Sometimes they changed the recommendation to one thing and had to pull some of it back because the science, the data, the new information about the virus started to change. And then one of the arguments, um, Sandra, um, and, and then I'll, I'll pause after the, this next comment um, in regards to how um, how things are different than before. Some people would, would argue when they argue, oh, well, you know, vaccines took 20, 10, 15, 20 years to create this, that, and the other. Well, you know, building a house also once took a much longer time to build, but as technology and science evolved over the years, things came out a lot quicker. They found different ways to speed up the process, not to make anything less safe, because in fact, there are more safe protocols inside there. And that's with, with that was evidenced by Johnson & Johnson. The moment they said, oh, oh, I'm seeing a few things going wrong with a select group of people, it's not even everybody mm -hmm. that was really impacted. It was literally women childbearing age. Um, mm -hmm. So it was a small percentage of people that seemed, we're having a little bit more than the usual cases reported to the system, VAERS, the system that is, is used to detect issues with vaccines. Mm -hmm. They quickly identified within a very short period of time, something might be wrong. Let's stop it and investigate it. Now, how it was done exactly, you know, it could have probably went on because if you looked at the real numbers based on how many vaccines the J&J &J vaccines were given out based on the amount of people that were impacted, it was what you call statistically relevant. In fact, you have more issues with other vaccines that are fully approved than mm -hmm. that. But they said, oh, we're going to err on a side of caution. We don't want to make any mistakes of this. So we're going to stop it until we know more. And that's exactly what happened. And then that immediately mm -hmm. caused a lot of vaccine hesitancy. Um, now, I'm going to personally tell you, Johnson & Johnson is not my preferred COVID vaccine that's out right. there. But at the same time, it's still not a bad vaccine. It's better than absolutely nothing. Yes, absolutely. So, folks, um, the premier will be addressing the nation at uh, 9 o'clock this morning. Now, as luck would have it, I'm supposed to be in court at 9.30, um, but we will be carrying that. Uh, listen, I'm going to show up to court and tell the judge I have a job to do. I mean, I, I know she has a job to do as well, but um, to me, this job is extremely important this morning, and dealing with John Felder is not necessarily at the top of my list, but I will show up and be completely compliant with um, that hearing this morning, but at the same time, I'm going to have to have my laptop there um, live streaming the premier's comments. Um, and I think this is important for him to address the nation this morning. I'm sure that the first thing he will be saying is that we need to all remain calm. We need to make sure that we are um, not dabbling in misinformation. So there's a lot of, like I said, undercurrent um, of information that is... Um, 
circulating out there and a lot of it is politically motivated. So I'm seeing the messages because I get forward everything. And I want to caution the powers that be, you know, even the opposition, whilst they are drumming up um, all of this negativity because they have their agenda, an agenda of their own, they have to remember that when they were in lockdown and they were being heavily criticized by people in the community, the one voice that was not criticizing them was the voice of the opposition. Literally the opposition at that time pulled back and allowed them to take the reins and to um, try to get a hold of the situation. There was a lot that the opposition could have been saying about things that were going wrong, even during uh, you know, the lockdown period and when COVID first um, became an issue in this community, but that wasn't happening because out of respect for the situation and the stress that the previous um, progressive led administration would have been under, the previous opposition felt like the thing to do was to be supportive of the government, try to be of one voice in terms of um, how we address the situation. And that isn't happening. The progressives um, opposition has taken a very different um, practical approach to how they will deal with it. And every two minutes they're releasing these uh, videos disagreeing with the government and causing nothing but dissension. So it's quite unfortunate. Uh, big shout out to Chef Remy. I see that the good chef is here this morning. He said 480 plus views. Awesome. We actually went over 220 at one point because remember we've got people on YouTube. Uh, YouTubers are still finding their footing at the, on the new YouTube channel. So my apologies that the old channel is not available for now, but like them both. And then we've got another 50 or so people actually watching the stream through the website as well. So good morning, Jade. Jade says you have to think about your own health. So listen, a lot of people are now calling for a mandatory vaccination of incoming travelers. I think that that's a yes. I can completely agree with that. Mandatory vaccination of teachers. I say that's a yes as well, both private and public schools. Um, as Brenda says, Kevin, this is a public health crisis. Please don't play this, don't downplay the situation. People need to understand how serious it is and treat it accordingly. This is uh, a Brenda, very I situation I, to I be mean, in. Uh, you and I are seeing eye to eye, Brenda. Um, this is a public health crisis. It's a world, it's a global public health crisis. Yeah. I am certainly not downplaying it. However, right sizing, making sure you're making the, the right decisions for your own personal health is vital. So one of the things you have to do, everybody needs to do their part. When you're out in the public, make sure you are wearing your mask. When you're around others, make sure that you are doing your part and encouraging yeah. your friends and family to also do their part. Ultimately, if everyone is doing their part, we could definitely get a much better mm -hmm. handle of it. It's not downplaying, but one of the things that you don't want to do is panic either because the yeah. moment you start panicking that's going to open a door of a lot of uh, uh, you're going to open up a lot of problems it's going to open up a can of worms you don't want that to happen so mm -hmm. i'm not downplaying it playing it it's a serious situation yes. it's a situation that you need to get a control of but at the same time like i just had said covid is there to stay in the cayman islands it's not going to completely go away in fact there are going to be more and more cases eventually it's not going to stop so i'm not i mean like i said this is the cold hard truth that is the cold hard truth that you will you will yeah. have more and more cases but mm -hmm. now how you and your family will respond to it and how you will protect yourself that's what really matters and that's what you need to make sure that you're focusing on hmm. All right. Um, Ms. Brenda is all for vaccinations. She says people just need to get vaccinated. It's time to mandate it. Good morning, Larry. Joining us from New York. Dalroy is here. Good morning, Dalroy. Um, 
Charles, I think I missed a, a comment by Charles. Oh, right. So Charles uh, says, need to mandate worldwide, period. This is a pandemic. No human rights here when it comes to a world crisis. And um, in response to that, uh, Dalroy says that, Charles, I agree, particularly because children from the affected school more than likely will have friends or relatives in other schools uh, who they may have come in contact with out of an abundance of caution. They should just close all schools now and get all tested. Um, I think there must have been a second comment from Charles. Maybe. Um, so calling for the closing of all schools this morning, uh, Bertha says the government needs to stop the quarantine in private homes and apartments and have only one destination hotel, which has uh, better security. And even that we saw, you know, was being breached with kids crawling out of the windows and all sorts of stuff, but definitely uh, a little bit better control. Um, Sue agrees. Um, so uh, Neela says Delroy at school is Georgetown Primary and CHHS. Well, John Grace, in case you're you're missing um, this, folks, let me be very clear about what's happening this morning. So Georgetown Primary um, closed. Parents have certain protocols that they need to follow in relation to that. And also John Gray High School uh, parents were sent an urgent message. So in case you've not seen this urgent messages yet, um, the urgent message is following the press release regarding a positive case at Georgetown Primary. They're asking um, that anyone uh, who comes to school at John Gray should be wearing their mask. Um, hopefully they have a batch of masks there in case children show up without it. And if your children have a sibling at um, Georgetown Primary, they should not come to school but should, should uh, attend the designated time for testing at Georgetown Primary and remain home until the all clear is given. So let us just review actually the protocols that have been set out this morning um, for the Department of Education Services. So just permit me to um, bring this up as a screen share and I'll show you exactly, um, oops, let me pull that one off there, Kev show you exactly uh, what is going on here. Um, so folks, we have essentially this document. I'm going to enlarge this significantly so we can see it. Whoa, there we go. Maybe not quite 400%. Uh, 200%, let's do it at 300 and see where we get to. Um, oops. All right, so this document is the Department of Education Services and Schools Summary Business Continuity of Operations Plan for Reopening of the Borders. So um, scenario number one, no confirmed community cases. Obviously, that's no, not where we're at. Um, scenario number two is suspected or confirmed case in the community. Scenario number three is suspected or confirmed case um, in a school with a staff or student. And scenario number four is suspected confirmed case DES admin staff. Um, five is within households. And number six is confirmed case in a school. So we're looking at scenario number six all the way over on the right-hand side. And upon confirmation of a case by public health, this is what should be happening. So they're going to take direction from public health regarding the closure of school. Well, clearly that's been happened. The school is now closed. Notification to the following of closure and continued uh, closure schools. Um, they have DES director, DCO education, 
ministering cabinet, school staff, parents, and the public. So that has already been done. Um, DES and schools activate home learning procedures. I don't think that they have even had an opportunity to do that as yet because they're still very much in, um, you know, education mode um, in terms of let's just, uh, let's just get testing done. Let's let people know what's happening. And then they'll get to how long the school will be closed for, if it will be closed for an extended period of time, and then what additional resources they need to deploy. Um, after that, we've got uh, deep cleaning facilitated through DES. So we do understand that uh, that will be happening this morning as well, um, if it hasn't already, including the school bus and the school property itself and await all clear from public health to resume normal school operations. So Kevin, um, does this sound like a solid plan to you given your experience? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a stricter plan than what we would follow here. On um, very rare occasions, we would shut down a whole school unless there was strong enough evidence here to support that it was widespread throughout the school. Um, right. Cayman definitely overall, I would say, has been taking a much um, more stricter stance on public health measures, which I actually am more supportive of than some mm -hmm. of the measures um, that they take here. But you also have to also think about other logistical challenges. It's all about balancing. Yes, public health might make this recommendation in order to stop the virus from spreading. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but you have to also put things into perspective. All of those children now need to be at home. And if you can't have them home alone, you're going to need parents to be there with their children. Well, can, can in reality, parents be able to take off all this time from work because bills still need to be paid as well as work still needs to be carried out? What type of work that, that person might have? What if some of those parents are, are nurses and stuff that are also taking care of people in the hospital? You can't wow. not go up to work because you have no other childcare worked out for your children. So this is, remember on Friday when you and I talked, I said, right now, this is a time people need to think about their own personal, personal family plans. Think about it now. The time mm -hmm. is, it, it, it's, it's here. It's time to mm -hmm. really think about what are you gonna do if you're impacted, just like a lot of these parents, lots of parents are impacted. So what is your personal plan? All businesses out there need to think about their plan. What if I have a lot of people not able to show up to work because they have children in quarantine or them, they, their employees are also sick? What are you going to do? So you really need to really think about all of these things now because ultimately you're going to know that it's going to continue to expand and it's going to it start to increase throughout the community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I have a parent uh, who has sent the message here saying that um, one of the um, siblings or alleged uh, siblings may have had, um, just give me one second, I'm going to read this message properly. Um, let me just see here. Uh, right, so someone basically said that um, the child was at uh, football yesterday, so their child is now um, potentially exposed because their child plays uh, football as well. So it says, hearing the student was at football practice yesterday at school. So now my son and family are at home in quarantine until our 1 p.m. testing time. So the good news is um, the government is uh, 
you know, um, definitely putting the necessary protocols in place. So uh, yes, all of those will be, um, all the testing will, will happen. So again, folks, there is an emergency press briefing this morning and the premier will be addressing the community. So please stay tuned to this feed. We still have a half an hour before that happens. Um, Prospect Primary School has also issued um, a notification to all parents and guardians that in line with department and education directives, there'll be no after-school activities today, including YMCA. So please collect your children at Prospect Primary at 3 p.m. Volunteers and visitors to the school are also suspended for now. Um, so if you volunteer or visit Prospect Primary, you will not be doing so as of now. So take note. Yes. Let's uh, review some more of your comments here, folks. Um, we have, where did we leave off? Uh, Maria says, yes, mandate it. Uh, Tatiana says, mandate it for travelers. I think I read that one already. Thank you, Anne. Um, Jade says, you have to think about your own health. Um, Sharon, good morning. Obviously, the border reopening will be considered now. I think that goes without saying. Uh, Maria. Um, right. So, Miss Brenda says it's just time to get vaccinated. Leroy. Oh, yes. I think I'm a little bit behind in, on some China, China quarantine in 25 days. I'm not sure what that means, Leroy. Um, Elaine says five days is too short, even if they're vaccinated. Uh, it should still be at least 10 days due to the incubation period needed for a positive. Jasara says, I understand that. What I should have asked is, um, was she in isolation or in quarantine until she tested negative or was she out in the community? Are we referring back, Jasara, to the helper? I'm still trying to get confirmation on that. I'm assuming the reason why they tested her again is because she was still in isolation. Um... But again, somebody mentioned something about travel history. I think that might have been Miss Brenda. There is no known travel history with the helper. So in case you missed yesterday's uh, program, folks, there is a certain line of thinking. And so, again, the show's called The Cold Hard Truth. So I want to make sure that you guys have the information. Um, the officials may not want to say this to you directly, but there is a certain line of thinking that um, there's a possibility that this is coming in through illegal individuals entering our borders. So this is why border control, um, you know, is incredibly important. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you can't you can't have. On the one hand, uh, people thinking that people only come in on the flights that are the legit flights that are coming in. The real danger, folks, is the fact that people will come in illegally on these boats and they have no no desire to follow any mass wearing protocols. Listen, if you're coming in on a drug boat, you're not sanitizing, you're not wearing a mask. You could care less about those um, types of things. So let us understand the severe implications of those individuals. You're more likely to have someone be compliant who has actually purchased a ticket. And we even see there that sometimes that is a bit of an issue. 
Um, but yes, I mean, there is that. So there's, there's a need for border control and that particular responsible unit uh, to really shape up and try to stop these people from coming in illegally. Rachel says it would be helpful to have an island while masking and staying home if you have respiratory symptoms in schools, at work and in gyms. So not just if you have respiratory symptoms, but I can tell you yesterday we mentioned, because we did an article on this, that a lot of companies are now uh, back to wearing masks. So even yesterday when I went to, um, where was it that I went? Court. Uh, you had to wear a mask and they're spraying you down again. Now I'm not the I'm not a fan of being sprayed down with something that I don't even know what it is in that bottle, but you know, I'm going to get my own, um, my own more natural hand sanitizer options and just start walking with those again, because so that is, I, that's I where we're at folks. An observation that's definitely been, um, picked up here, um, in, in Florida, of course, and it's actually around the States as well too, you know, kids, um, they do handle COVID-19 different than adults. Um, th there's a lot of evidence to show that. But one of the symptoms that has been extremely consistent when children are about to test positive for COVID-19 here is they all complain of a tummy ache, yeah. which is not typ a typical thing for a newly diagnosed individual who's an adult. That's not really, most of the, most of the adults are, you know, they, they lost their, tastes more or less, things taste weird to them often, they lose their smell. Um, those are kind of the, the, the first symptoms a lot of people hear, not for everyone, but a lot of people start to experience. But mm -hmm. here again, a lot of children are starting to complain about stomach aches. And then that's a good indicator. That, well, I definitely need to be very cautious with my, my child. I need to put on a mask and put a child on my mask when I'm around them and get them tested. So just wanted to put that out there, that that is one of the, the observations that we are definitely seeing here, um, at least um, here in the USA. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Um, so Ms. Brenda says, I'm speaking from experience, is a work permit grant essential? Well, um, I mean, the government has said that individuals coming in and work permits have been for a very long time, um, been able to come into the country. So um I guess they have seen that as some sort of a central travel. Uh, Maria says we need to switch. What about the switch from the armbands? Uh, that might be something to consider. I'm uh, going back to those tracking devices. Um, I don't think that they were as successful as we probably thought. And I think that a lot of people... Um, as, as more people start to come in, they only had so many. I don't know exactly what the numbers were. But I think, you know, I heard a lot of issues with, like, phones never being returned. And, again, this is the sort of thing. You make it very, very simple. You're coming and you're going into quarantine. You're being issued a government phone, a government wristband or whatever. That phone comes with a deposit of $200, $500, whatever it is. And then you, um, when you return it, you get your deposit money back. So there are ways to implement certain things. I think travel time is probably stretched to the max. And I don't know that they have um, people at the helm who really understand how to put their foot down, but they better figure it out and figure it out very, very quickly. 
Anne says we have to live with this. And absolutely, I was telling you guys, there was a very interesting video last week, I think it was, that I saw that I wanted to share, and I'll see if we can maybe share it this evening, that has said, essentially, the new scientific scientific and medical thinking is that every person will be exposed to this. That That's just what it's going to be. Your chances of not getting it are disappearing by the day. So what you need to do is now try to protect yourself um, against this as much as possible. Your first line of defense that we got right now, it's called a vaccine, folks. Thank you so much. 540 people tuned in. I know that some people still um, don't know that we're on YouTube. Share the YouTube link because we are using a backup um, YouTube um, channel for now because our regular channel is um, having some issues. So share that because I know a lot of people prefer YouTube uh, versus Facebook. So um, let me just see what else is being sent here. Um, so someone just posted that a year six student helper has now tested positive. I think I think people are confusing it. Uh, confusing. Um, I don't know that that's the case. Uh, we know well, that a helper has tested positive, but it's actually the helper. Yeah. of the lady in north side so th this is where now y'all need to relax a little bit because misinformation as anthony blair just says misinformation causes fear and it does and i know this is you know i reflect back and when we got started four years ago kevin and to say that cmr is the voice of reason <laughs> is like <laughs> But we really are the voice of reason around here these days, folks. And we want to caution you um, against jumping to any conclusions and muddling the waters. And just last week, we saw how incredibly easy it was uh, for people to just get information wrong. If you were listening to the rumor mill last week, folks, I had COVID. Yeah. Come on, folks, get it together now. This is not a time for speculation. It's not a time for people listening to people on the street about it. This is a time when you have the premier of the country about to make a public address. Yes. This is a time that In you need to minutes. get information from the government main resources and Cayman Mall Road because Sanders bring it to you real. Um, so you got to make sure that you are, are not just going from what Tom, Dick and Harry said on the street, but you got to use your good judgment by getting the information from the actual sources that are out there giving out credible information. I know that the um, government um, has put out a press release, read the language that's written inside that, it is written, and the words that are used in that is, is carefully chosen to give the facts and not to speculate. It is not to cause anyone to overreact and cause a lot of fear. It is for you to know what's going on. Again, Sandra is here, I am here. We're trying to give you that real, solid information not taking it and trying to guess about other things we just want to give it to you real so don't take things and and start spreading bad information just go to the sources so you could get credible information mm -hmm. mm. Mm -mm. what a hot mess um so yes folks uh, you know, it's, I completely agree with Anthony. It's not helpful. Um, listen, folks, we have 540, 536 people online right now. Um, that's a lot of people as far as Cayman is concerned, but each one of you needs to tell the other person what is accurate and correct. 
and stop the misinformation and stop the fear mongering. Um, good morning. Um, this person says, you know, when you have these Chinese or Arabic names, I uh, can't pronounce that. I have no clue what that is. But this person says yet another important show. I'm just really scared for my children. We hear that persons are testing positive with little to um, no symptoms. But what about the little children? So um, it's it's a legit concern. Um, for sure. And I think all of us who have children or even have, you know, siblings with children or, you know, you have to be concerned, um, folks, in the community because um, this is this is a real deal. OK, doesn't mean that we can't remain calm, cool and collected. Concerned? Yes. Hypervigilant? We need to be. Um, panicking? No. Jade says exactly. So we just have to live with this um, and borders can't keep closed forever. Um, eventually they're going to open. And this is more than a test run for what's going to happen when the borders do, do reopen. Senor Moxham is joining us. Says parents have to make the choices they feel is best for their kids. Re going to school or keeping them home. Why is that burden placed on any government? Hashtag confused. Well, I tell you what, it's placed on the government when it's mandatory. So right now the government is saying, um, Georgetown primary, stay home. I'm shocked to hear a parent message this morning to say that parents are still dropping children off at John Gray and Georgetown primary. Why? The government has said to keep your children home. Now, I understand the difficulty that might be presented to some parents this morning who hadn't expected this, who don't have a plan B. Maybe you're an only parent in your household. And what do you do all of a sudden with your kids? Employers need to be more understanding of the current situation. And if you are a parent at Georgetown Primary, they need to allow you. Yes, it might be an inconvenience for them, but this is about um, a community spread situation and trying to get this under control. They need to honestly allow you to take the day off. Um, if you or need to work remotely, if you can, I mean, I wish yeah. Kim would have um, put a little bit more emphasis on that. That's one of the things that um, I know some of my friends and family that work there are saying. I wish I had the remote work option. That is yeah. a great thing for businesses to see. Okay, let's work out the logistics because ultimately this is going to keep on happening. Again, this is not going to completely go away. There's going to be situations moving forward that it's going to happen again. And you're going to be impacted by, you know, someone testing positive, you being exposed where you're going to have to be at home for a period of time. So make your plan now, start thinking about it. Businesses, out there need to figure out what can we do to make sure that we could continue doing whatever business we have. I know not every business out there have an ability to be able to work from home. If you're in the water sports industry, I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to drive a boat from some type of drone capacity uh, capability. So, I mean, there's certain things that, you know, you're not going to be able to, to do remotely, but if there is something that's mm. where you need to be able to, okay, what does that look like for us? Um, yes, I know we're used to doing business one way, but we might need to switch gears a little bit and, and utilize some of the tools that are available technology-wise for us to be able to keep on moving our business forward. Yes. Um, 
So listen, you guys know that some of our corporate sponsors um, offer um, gift certificates to you all. So thank you, Remy, to support businesses that have their staff fully vaccinated. Well, that's very important as well. But I'd like to offer um, a gift certificate this morning. I'm just trying to find my batch. I've got an envelope here of gift certificates from Popeye's or Burger King, your choice. Um, they've got convenient drive-through options. So listen, you don't have to go inside. You can stay safe in the comfort of your vehicle. So who wants a Popeye or Burger King gift certificate? Kevin, should we throw out a trivia question out there today? Just to kind of calm people down a little bit. Sure. Um, what what trivia question should we go with? Donnie says 14 days is not enough of quarantine. Well, that's been, Donnie, where are you going with this conversation? That has been the accepted gold standard, my dear. Beyond 14 days, I don't think is very, very um, useful. Um, so uh, uh, Bob, uh, Popeye's or um, Burger King gift certificate uh, question. Kevin, you pick the question. Pick a question. Now, let me think of a good question. You should probably do it. On, oh, on I've, I've got one if you were listening to the show yesterday, I guess, sure. or you, you've been paying attention to our social media channel. We shared a slide um, yesterday of um, a uh, some statistics from a particular country that demonstrated very, very clearly how incredibly effective vaccinations are. Um, specifically hospitalizations and deaths. What country was that slide from? Mm -hmm. So Kevin, do you remember? Don't say it obviously, but do you remember what it, do you remember what it was? I know you remember the slide and you're probably thinking really hard now. I, so I, I shared this slide I, yesterday. I'm 95% sure that I remember which slide. So Anne says the Bahamas. She's the first one with an answer. Anne, let us pull the slide back up. Ding, 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 and you are a winner. Beautiful. So, Anne, uh, let us know um, if you want Burger King or Popeyes. Yes, absolutely. Everybody's messaging me on WhatsApp. I want a certificate from Burger King or Popeyes. So, Anne, uh, please WhatsApp us on 324-1612. It is the Princess Margaret Hospital in the Bahamas, and they did this very, very uh, useful chart talking about um, the COVID-19 hospitalizations and deaths from August the 1st through September the 8th. And again, I continue to hear people um, say this bit of misinformation. Um, Jamelia says, my son would love some Popeyes right now. You know what? I'm, I'm going to give another one out. Hold on, uh, Jamelia. Stay tuned. We got more questions coming. Um, so this, these are the facts, folks. This is not make-believe. Uh, you see the real difference in hospitalization. You got 400 patients, 95 point, rounded up to 96% of those are unvaccinated persons. The other 3.5% is partially vaccinated. And those who are fully vaccinated account for less than 1% of hospitalizations in the Bahamas. Now, for the COVID deaths, you have no person during that period of time in the Bahamas that died that was fully vaccinated. 99 people or 95% of the people who died were actually unvaccinated. And then you had um, five people, which accounted for 4.8% who were partially vaccinated. Um, I don't know how we can make this any simpler 
in terms of bringing the point home to you. Vaccinations work, folks. They absolutely um, do. Yes, thank yeah, you, Delroy. I'm seeing Akina. it right here, right here firsthand that how well vaccinations are working because the same exact gra graphic you're showing that came out of Bahamas is exactly what's happening here in the state of Florida and throughout the United States of America and even in the UK and in Canada. It's showing that those who are fully vaccinated are not ending up in the hospital at any type of rate like those who are unvaccinated. Um, so again, folks, just a reminder uh, that, uh, you know, the premier will be addressing the country at nine o'clock this morning. That's in 10 minutes time. Um, so the slide someone says is from the Bahamas and they have some additional information here. Dr. Wesley Francis, who is uh, there in the Bahamas, the cancer um, surgery center. And it says that he was one of the authors, a very good guy. So um, thank you so much for that information. Um, folks, the press conference has been delayed until 9.30. So y'all hearing it first on CMR, uh, the press conference has now been delayed until 9.30. So allow me to just send out a quick little message um, to my folks. Uh-huh. So of course you can imagine that the government um, Yeah, I'm uh, sure that they're still getting yeah. all the information and all the details from, you know, what's going on, where things are. you got to understand, too, that things are so fluid. When, yes. when things like this happen, I'm sure that a lot of them got very little sleep overnight as they were, you know, you, implementing their, their plans in order Absolutely. to get, the, the, um, respond to the whole entire um, event. As it's uh, Did Mallory first answer it? Someone said that it wasn't, um, did I miss... Uh, no, and well, on my thing it says Anne was first. Um, it said Anne Smith and then Mallory. But you know what? Uh, you know we got we got enough gift certificates. Let's give you both one. Uh, Mallory and Anne um, messaged me both, but on my little thing it actually showed me that Anne answered it first. Um, so Sean was taking a jab at it. Shy, uh, Celine, Sharon, everybody wanted that. Tanya, <laughs> no, it wasn't Barbados, girl. Um, oh, you know, uh, Popeyes and Burger King have options for lunch and breakfast. Is Popeyes open for breakfast? Do they have any breakfast items? I feel like fried chicken for breakfast could be a thing. I know fried chicken is is a thing after you've been out drinking all night. I see y'all at the gas station trying to grab fried chicken at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so. You might want to update your crawl as well, too, as you're updating stuff. Yeah, so let me, um, uh, yes, I'm going to update my little scroll message there as well. So give me one little second here. Let me just edit this. Everything is done in real time around here, folks. Um, now, of course, unfortunately, I, I will be in court at 930. But child, I'm going to walk in at my laptop and said, Your Honor, we have the country's business to be about this morning. So you will have to forgive me while I have my laptop open and monitor the live stream. <laughs> And uh, please read your judgment as quickly as you possibly can, because I got work to do. Yeah, so I see Brenda was asking how um, there's no vaccine for children under 12 yet. And, and, and the reason for that is they're still collecting the data on it. They're, they're currently, in fact, the hospital that is right next to my building, uh, the Tampa General, and, and partnered with the University of South Florida, they're, they're actually carrying out studies right now, some human trials, 
um, for individuals who are in that trial, and it's a double-blind study um, on, on the effectiveness and using vaccines in children down to five years old. Now, the data is, again, still being collected, and once that's submitted for approval, that will likely take place sometime between Halloween and, and, and Christmas time. And depending on what the results show, from the trials and everything that's been going on. And it's been going on longer than that, but they're, they're, they're gonna be submitting all of their, their data to the, the scientists that makes the decision whether or not we're going to now lower the age. It's only gonna be for Pfizer, um, which is great for Cayman because Cayman did not really have a large um, amount of any other of the vaccines that are out there. But uh, for the Pfizer, it most likely will start to go down to five and above sometime between, again, Halloween and, and Christmas time. Yeah, so yeah. Um, it, it's just not available and they don't want to start joking those children until they know it's safe to joke them. Yeah. Okay. Um, so again, folks, the press briefing um, has been adjusted slightly. It's going to be at 930 this morning. Sandra, I got to meet with my assistant to get them going. So I'll be back yes. um, in short time. So I'll just mm -hmm. stay in the, the backstage for right now. Okay. Thanks, honey. We appreciate that. Um, and I do have to get to court in time myself. So what I'm going to do is we're going to do a little transitioning here. Thank God for modern technology. Can I just tell you how uh, beautiful and wonderful modern technology is? So um, I will be grabbing my laptop and um, transitioning uh, to the car and I will still keep the feed live. Um, and uh, basically we're going to continue the discussion. Um, let me see here now. Cece, are you about anywhere? Congratulations to the girls under, um, under 20 national team. They've actually won the first match. Uh, they're in Curacao at the moment and they've won their first match against the Bahamas, no less, um, on their road to the under 20 world cup qualifier. So they won 2-0 yesterday. So this is fantastic news for these young ladies. Um, somehow I felt like I had put up an announcement about the press briefing, but perhaps I forgot to hit the, the posts to actually post it. So give me one second. I'm going to post this up because I know a lot of people uh, definitely want to be tuned in. Oh, you know what? I think I put it on Instagram, but not on Facebook. So we want to make sure that everyone um, is having access to the correct information. So again, folks, press briefing adjusted ever slightly from what would have been nine o'clock until um, 9.30. And uh, don't y'all be coming on here talking foolishness at 9.32 that the government has not yet started the uh, press conference because you all well know we don't even need to go back to what the standard used to be. This government is so much more punctual. I myself have quietly made that observation of how incredibly um, punctual they are. So, um, you know, if they're a couple minutes late, my goodness, understand that they are in the midst of getting the latest information and the latest updates so that they can provide you with uh, real-time data. Okay. Um, so Kevin, I'm just going to pull him out of the studio for a second. Uh, is there a vaccine for age 13 and up for kids in Cayman yet? Uh, no, Melissa. It's, um, is it 15 or 16? You're, I think it's 15 and up. 
Um, so it's basically what is being used in the UK at the moment. Um, Brenda says, I told Sandra about the FDA announcement yesterday. So it's coming. Um, I don't know. Have they approved it yet, Brenda? But remember now, we don't actually fall under the FDA as a UK overseas territory. We fall under the UK. So um, that doesn't apply to us. Um, but certainly, I think that Pfizer is the leader of the pack in terms of this. So Neela says it has been approved for 12 to 16 year olds. But, you know, I was reading somewhere yesterday, I have to look that up. The UK doesn't seem that keen on giving it to younger children yet. Um, I'll see what the source was for that article. But I do recall mm, seeing that somewhere. So, uh, folks, if you're waking up late this morning, you're waking up to a little bit of a, a hubbubaloo. Is that the right word? Hubbubaloo, hubba, whatever. You guys know what I mean. <laughs> you're waking up to a situation this morning um, where, you know, the government is uh, dealing with two new cases of uh, community spread is what it appears to be. So, obviously, they haven't done contact tracing in a child yet, so we don't know if the child is connected or not to the situation in Northside, may not be. This could be another community spread that's popping up. Hullabaloo. Thank you, Dana. Hullabaloo. Yes. Child, y'all soon start messaging me. Sandy, you're just as bad as that pack member. Y'all stop it. Okay. We all have our moments now where we can't remember how to even pronounce a word. Hullabaloo. It's not one that I use hardly ever. Um, Rachel says the UK has approved it for 12 to 15 year olds and came on Pfizer is available for 12 upwards, 12 to 17. Thank you so much. Uh, yes. Congrats to the ladies. Neela says UK health people say the vaccine don't do much for them because they're very low risk for who the children or, or do much for who, mm. uh, Anthony says religious beliefs and equal rights are fine. However, does your rights and beliefs also apply to critical care and anesthesia, et cetera, as it just can for convenience child. We talked about that yesterday about this religious group that is out of their mind. If you ask me, um, big shout out to miracle brokers. They have some new protocols in place already this week aimed at keeping everyone safe. So please, if you have a vehicle coming, furniture coming, whatever, you know, MBI is the place to go for these types of things. And they have their COVID protocols in place, wear a mask, sanitize, social distance when you come into their office and call ahead for clearance of your documents. And whenever possible, go ahead and prepay online because you know, money carries a lot of germs. So uh, the less money you come in contact with directly, the better. And this is the beauty of it, good folks, is that you are able um, to make payments online. It's super, super easy to do so. More and more. Uh, e even the court office. Uh, you now have the vast majority of documents you can just file it online. You send it by email, you send confirmation of your payment and they make it so super, super easy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. I am going to um, transition into
uh, getting in my vehicle. So what that means is I'm actually going to play a video. And uh, in fact, uh, Sandy says Bermuda for me. Bermuda? Bermuda. How else do you say Bermuda? Am I saying it wrong? Am I saying it with that special Caymanian accent? Um, Sandy, any information on whether siblings of Georgetown Primary should attend for testing? So it looks like, thank you, um, Angelin. It looks like what they are recommending based on what I've seen is that, yes, when they contact you, they should be telling you that when you come in, um, you should be bringing any member of your household at that location. So whether they're attend Georgetown um, primary or another school, um, you know, they should uh, be subject to the same requirements. Um, so just give me one second here. I'm actually going to pull up um, a video. I'm just trying to see which one. Uh, this guy is really awesome. So there's a guy named Z Dog MD. He is the voice of reason. I love how calm he is, how cool he is, how collected he is. Um, just another reminder as well, speaking of our corporate sponsors, folks, um, if you are part of the Filipino community, this is the deadline now, September, for you to start thinking about sending your last box of the year. So, um, <laughs> Dana says it's Bermuda and I would say Bermuda, Bermuda, Bermuda. Okay. All right. I'm not going to be angry about that. Bermuda, Bermuda and not Bermuda. Okay. I'm still going to probably say Bermuda, but I see Bermuda. I feel like I'm in, I'm in phonics 101. Remember when you were a little kid, this is how you learn how to pronounce stuff. When I was first learning Spanish, child, I, I learned it by phonics. It was like, hola. And I didn't actually know that, that it was spelled H-O-L-A because the, the method I was using was just like, pronounce it phonetically. Then you'll eventually learn how to spell it and all the other good stuff, right? Marcia, good morning. Yes, honey child, 500 people online with us. Uh, Holly says Rhonda Schmidt and Florida. I don't know. Miss Rhonda says, oh, so sorry about that child, Keyman. We need to ask Keyman Airways to stop going to Jamaica for a couple of weeks. But is Jamaica the problem? Is that where all the positives are coming in? We don't know that. Uh, this is where we need a little bit more information. So um, Dana says, um, I saw another comment from Dana. What did Dana say? Oh, she says, I like your shows when you're not angry. I get stressed when you're angry, my tweetums. <laughs> the good news for you, Dana, is 99% of the time, I'm not angry. But you know, sometimes. It's not really anger even. It's just like y'all needed a little bit extra hard and cold. But that's okay. As they say, you get more honey with, you get more bees with honey. All right, look at the time already. Oh my God, 9 5. Uh, Y'all don't make me late for court now because that judge is going to be looking at me sideways. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pull up a video here um, 
that is going to take us right up until when the government is ready. By then, I should be able to jettison to, to court, throw on some shoes, get in court, do whatever, and then we'll pull in the live feed from the premiere. So um, give me one second here. Let me set this up. So this guy, like I said, his name, his online name is Z-Dog MD. He is a qualified physician. And I love him because he is uh, not only knowledgeable, he's been um, doing a whole lot of work with this COVID situation. So please listen with a view to learning. But he is also very, very calm. Oh, God, his demeanor is amazing. I'm like, every woman should have a husband or a brother or a sibling, somebody like this in their life who is just as calm as this man because he's his, oh, he's just so calm. And that helps to keep us all calm. So um, I'm going to pull him up. Uh, watch this. Like I said, this will give me time to actually hopefully hopefully get to court on time now. Time is time is a ticking. Um, but he is very, very interesting. I, I absolutely love him, actually. Um, so this one, this topic was from September the 8th. So this was a couple of days ago. And it says vaccine questions, um, pregnancy, the mute, which a lot of you have been asking about, side effects, kids, and more. So if you are one of those people who still have a lot of questions, somebody was asking the other day, should I get it if I'm pregnant? Should I do this? Should I? Listen to him. I've not, this man has not led me astray. And I check and I verify a lot of things that he has said, and he is wonderful. So here he is. I'm going to pull this up while I drive to town. Um, and y'all just keep it locked right here at CMR. We will have the press briefing at 930. And uh, we'll switch right from him then until the prep briefing. Sounds good? What's up, guys? We're talking about anything you want, vaccines. I'm getting so many emails, right, um, that I figure let's just do a conversation because the emails are very similar. Um, each one kind of begins with, okay, here's my life story, 20 pages of stuff, which it, it's interesting because I think people feel either close or connected or open with me because they see me so much in a, in a very natural, authentic way. Like this is just what I'm doing. It's live. We're just talking, right? So they really feel like, you know, able to send me these big, long things, which I think is wonderful. The problem is I can't read it all because it's too much. But what I am noticing is they're, they're really similar stories. You know, a lot of people have questions, well, I have autoimmune disease. I'm pregnant. I don't trust the government. I don't trust how we've been manipulated. I'm say conservative and I don't, I feel like this has been so politicized that I'm just not comfortable doing this. I, I've been naturally infected. You know, all these actually very reasonable viewpoints on this because yeah, you should mistrust the government. <laughs> they, what, what, when have they really specifically told you the truth, of, you know, the full truth about anything, right? Humans have really decent BS meters in the age of the internet. Um, although it's interesting, it, it fails sometimes when clear, con artists are out there and they're able to capitalize on emotional resonance, right? Like people like Mercola, who's made millions of dollars. Like this guy is butt booty rich, Dr. Mercola, selling like basically anti-vaccine stuff. Sherry Tenpenny, same thing. And, you know, like you can be skeptical about vaccines, but like if you're making millions of dollars selling alternatives to vaccines, whether it's tanning beds like Mercola or whatever, you know, owed to essential oil he's selling, you know, and there's nothing wrong with essential oils, but I don't know. Anyways, so one other thing I want to tell you guys. So Cynthia Cruz Noble, one of my supporters on our supporter tribe sent me 
got it in the mail today, this 3D printed Doc Vader, and he holds a lightsaber looking high-end cross pen. And she sent me this. I want to thank Cynthia for this dope. Look at this. The circle is now complete. When I left you, I had a crappy little bick. Now I am the master of clicky pens. Uh, all right, let's get some comments here and uh, get some questions going on. You, you know, and maybe what I should do to start with is, you know, since we're just kind of free balling this live, um, let, me, let me hit you with some of the top things that I'm getting on email, right? So, and by the way, if you do email me through my website, um, there's a form there, uh, please keep it brief. Because I've seen, I've seen all the stories. Just give me like a couple bullets. And if it's about vaccines, I'll probably answer it, right? Um, if it's something crazy, other medical advice, things like that, I can't do that. Uh, and there's just too many messages. So, okay. One of the most common things is, okay, I'm pregnant. I'm in X trimester. Um, I'm young. I'm not high risk. Should I get vaccinated? I'm very nervous about it. I don't want to, anything I do, if I end up with a miscarriage or something like that, I'm going to blame the vaccine. I'm going to feel terrible. I'm re really, what they're saying is I'm going to blame myself, right? For making this decision. And my answer to this is based on the data we have so far, which is that we don't see an increased risk in pregnancy with vaccination in terms of miscarriage, in terms of poor fetal outcomes, in terms of poor maternal outcomes. We just haven't seen it. And lots of pregnant women have gotten this vaccination at this point. And it's gotten to the point where, you know, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine, the CDC and others have basically said, hey, you should offer this to pregnant women, right? They're comfortable with this. This is what they do, right? And um, I know there's a lot of mistrust of big organizations. I know there's mistrust of CDC. I know there's mistrust of Fauci. I know there's mistrust of government. Yeah, all that's fair. Absolutely. There are, that you, you, have, you should have reason to be skeptical. But when it comes to this, if you actually look at the data and you look at like what's happening in the actual world, pregnant women are at higher risk of complications of COVID. So we see it in the hospital, right? Now, again, in an absolute sense, it's not a huge risk. So what I often tell people is, listen, whatever decision you make, like it's your decision. It's the right decision for you based on what you've heard, your values, and how you're interpreting your own risk and the risk of your child and all that. All I can tell you is, okay, here's what I understand of the data. Here's what I would do for my loved one. And with pregnant women, I tell them, if you were my wife or my sister or whatever it is, someone I was close to who was pregnant, I would be really, really, really hoping that you would get vaccinated. And I don't care what it is, just get it done. Because again, if you can lower the risk of severe disease from COVID. Now, I would also say this, this is assuming that you haven't had already been infected with COVID. Because if you have, then you have considerable immunity from that. And we've talked about this again and again and again. So at that point, no decision you make is wrong. And you may say, oh, I don't want to do it. Or maybe I just want to get one dose, right? Because that's going to act like my booster shot with to the natural infection and I'll be superstar immune. And talk to your gynecologist, your obstetrician, talk to your doctor, talk to your family, talk to whoever matters to you in terms of making this decision. All I can say is if you were my loved one, I would really hope you either had, you had some kind of immunity right? Whether it was you were infected before. I'm not saying go out and get infected. God, no. I'm saying you've either had infection or you're getting vaccinated or have gotten vaccinated. So that, that's how I think about pregnancy. And, and the truth is the same goes with nursing mothers. There's 
no reason to believe that vaccinating nursing, nursing mothers would harm a child. And in fact, if anything, they produce antibodies that pass in breast milk, and those antibodies are a good thing for a young child if you're concerned about infection with coronavirus, right? And with Delta being so infectious, it really does tear through a population quickly. And so pretty much everybody at some point is gonna be exposed or infected. So would you rather you know, run the risk of getting infected and having wild type COVID and maybe doing just fine, or maybe not, or getting a vaccine that really, guys, like I'm gonna say this again, yeah, there's risk of myocarditis. It's small, but it's real, especially in younger men, but it can happen. Um, maybe there's, a, you know, in Israeli data, maybe there's some increased rate of appendicitis. Um, uh, and weirdly, interestingly, shingles seems to, there, there, there was some Israeli data set. Now, again, that needs follow-up and it needs full thing, but like, so let's see, shingles, uh, myocarditis, which is usually quite reversible. It's a bummer if you get it, right? But it's quite reversible, it's rare. Appendicitis, which can be managed, and even that's not really clear, but there was an increase in the Israeli data set, um, versus what we know about coronavirus, which is, oh my gosh, it's like a 19 times increased risk of myocarditis, blood clots, neurologic damage, ICU stay, post-ICU damage, if you saw our interview with Dr. Wes Ely about that. Um, it's really, to me, it's not a contest between which is safer to get, right? Now, and I understand why you're reluctant, I do. Um, I really do. Uh, we've talked about it many times. And the truth is, it doesn't help when like people are trying to ostracize you. Now, it is interesting because there's different cultural motifs. If you look, and I just uh, was at a, was a, got some Stanford data, they had compiled everything for a grand rounds and I went through the slides. So the latest data I've kind of looked at it. Um, if you look at a map of the US where vaccination rates are high, it's in the Northeast, it's on the coasts, Florida, actually even Texas is not that bad, right? You get into the center, you get to Idaho, the Southern states, Alabama, um, Mississippi, et cetera, and rates plummet. So you gotta wonder like what, okay, what is this culturally that's going on? And why should cultural aspects affect a scientific risk decision? Now we know why, because we're human beings, right? But you really have to start asking yourself Okay, if, if, if you're gonna make a decision based on health and you're gonna do it culturally, okay, that's fine, you can do that. It's based on your values. But if you look at actual data sets, well, why is it that Idaho's not vaccinating and Alabama's not vaccinating and so on? And then you have to dig into, okay, what are the cultural aspects of these things? And I think they're actually multifocal. They're, they're, they're multivariate. There's many aspects to it. If you look at, and I've read people writing about this, people who are actually against the vaccine, they go to New York or they go to San Francisco and there's a vibe of like, it's almost a collectivist vibe. Like, hey, just pitch in, do this thing, be done with it and it's better for everybody. And you know, we're even willing to do like vaccine passports so that you can come in because we just think you're gonna get the vaccine right now. Those are very controversial. And when I talk with Dr. Monica Gandhi about it on my show, uh, the other day, she's talking about immune passports. So that means even like if you've been infected, you get a passport, right? That's what they do in some parts of Europe. It seems to work quite well. But the point is there's a, 
in the dense urban areas, there's a collectivist mindset, which is like, hey, we're not going to get through this properly if we don't all pitch in because we're tight here, right? Um, and then politically, they may be a little more lefty. There's all kinds of components there. But then you go to like Idaho, Alabama, et cetera, people are spread out more. There's a mindset of individuality or individualism. There's distrust of government. So there's a political ideological focus there and so on. So what does all this have to do with science? Nothing. It's not like, so, so let's just weigh this for a second, right? Do you think that the scientific literacy in San Francisco versus Idaho to be able to look at primary data and feel comfortable with a vaccine, do you really think it's that different Right? You could argue, well, there's more universities in San Francisco in that area, and maybe the, the general level of college education is higher and so on. So maybe there's a component of that. But more likely, it's these cultural aspects, a mix of ideology, belief, collectivism versus individualism, the adaptation to the environment at hand, self-selection, people who may move to Idaho. I'm picking on Idaho because it has one of the lowest vaccination rates, um, not because I have anything you know, for or against Idaho. And, and so these, th these are things that then seem to affect uptake of a vaccine that even though it helps individuals is also billed by the mainstream media as a collectivist act. So do you see how that can kind of mess with people a little bit? It's very complicated making sense, sense-making in our current climate, right? And there's so many factors that go into that decision. Uh, so. Anyways, that, that's my thinking on that. Amy Patterson says, I got my first vaccine thanks to you. Hell yeah, I love it. I, I really do, I really get excited when people get vaccinated, I do. And you can, look, go look on Sunshine Act. I'm not taking money from pharma. In fact, pharma doesn't like me because <laughs> I say some really heterodox stuff, but I just like people doing well, right? Now I'm in the Bay Area, right? But I was in Vegas for the last eight years. Vegas is a pretty purple area pretty libertarian. I have a lot of libertarian sentiment. I have a lot of mistrust of government. I have a lot of mistrust of industry. So I'm with the people who are vaccine hesitant on almost everything. <laughs> yeah, but when I, when I come down and look at it, you know, it's pretty clear that the way through this, as Monica Gandhi on my show said, is through immunity, whether it's from pre-existing infection or vaccine or a combination, right? So that is the way through. Um, so the ideologic stuff, the belief stuff, the cultural stuff, it's all there. Um, you got to respect it. But honestly, now looking at it, you kind of go, okay, well, so this is more ideological than it is scientific. Let's just put that out there and say that this is how it is. It's probably how it is for a lot of things, right? Um, how soon will the FDA officially approve the second booster, third COVID vaccine? Yeah, you know, this whole booster thing. Look, I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to say this. This is, this is where distrust comes from. So two FDA officials resign. We don't really know why, but we think we know why, which is that they're upset that um, administration is pushing this booster for healthy people you know, across the board when there's not great data that that's a great idea. And you know, the rest of the world is still trying to get vaccine where the variants are developing. And it sends signals like, oh, this thing's not good enough, so everybody should get a third dose just in case, because we, we're just worried it's, you know, the antibodies are going to wane, forgetting about, you know, T-cell immunity, durable B-cell memory immunity, um, protection against severe disease, which is all we really care about. Instead, we're like worried about people testing positive. It's like, who cares? 
right? Now, um, uh, so the booster thing for, yes, for elderly people, for people with compromised immune systems, I think yes. And part of the reason is that the original spacing of this vaccine was, was I'm speculating and others have speculated, it was too close together, particularly for Pfizer, three weeks apart. Um, and in, for some individuals, that, that spacing might've been like just getting one shot, right? Too close together. So in some ways that third dose is saying, okay, well, all right, we didn't have enough time to really spread them out and see if that had an effect. Now we do, and it does seem to have, really does increase antibody levels. So let's do that. Now the other option is to spread out the first dose. Of course, the danger with that is you have a window where you know protection against um, disease is less with just a single dose. So there, it's always this kind of give and take. That's another common question by email that I get. Should I space out my second dose? I've gotten my first dose, space out my second dose. The truth is we don't know the answer to that, right? I don't think there's a lot of harm in spacing it out you know, uh, a little bit, but I think we just don't know enough to space it out a lot until we get more data, right? Now, if you've been infected before, even a single dose is probably enough, but the government's not acknowledging that just yet, right? But, you know, there you go. So that, that, that's another, um, you know, that's another uh, uh, piece of the puzzle. Now, Melissa says, um, I'm frustrated. Melissa McCrary says, I'm frustrated uh, with the misperception of people thinking that if they're vaccinated, they can hold my three-month-old uh, but can't touch um, my six-year-old and can't touch me. Uh, so if they're vaccinated, they can hold the three-month-old. Um, well, okay, let me let me parse this into a question that I get a lot by email. I'm vaccinated. My husband's vaccinated. We have a newborn baby or a young kids that can't be vaccinated. We have a lot of friends and family that are unvaccinated. We would like we we don't know what to do with them because they're going to come and infect our kids potentially. And the truth is, yeah, that's right. Um, you have to decide what your risk tolerance is. Most kids do fine with coronavirus, but some don't. Some end up getting MISC, the MIS-C inflammatory syndrome of children. Some get sick. Some go on to infect a grandparent who may have even been vaccinated, but the immunity's waned. They haven't gotten a booster or they're one of those people that is one of the 10% that you know doesn't get protection against severe disease for whatever idiosyncrasy of their immune system, right? So th th these are real nuanced questions that you don't have a black and white answer for. Public health and authorities will try to make it a black and white answer, which will say, everybody should get two shots of the mRNA vaccines or one shot of Johnson & Johnson and a booster later. That's what they'll say, because that is the simplest answer to confuse the least number of people. The problem is it's not true. It's not an honest answer. It's not a nuanced answer. And so people's BS meter goes, wait, what? I was infected, I went through hell with COVID. Why the hell would I need to get two where I'm gonna feel like crap with those two as well? Because, you know, that immune system gets rebooted. Um, you know, so the, the messaging becomes difficult and then nuanced situations like that where you have to rely on your own, what are your values? I know my 10 year old is in school, she's unvaccinated. I have not lost a wink of sleep worried about her getting infected, right? She has no comorbidities. Um, all, the rest of the family, including my 13-year-old, are vaccinated. So there's a cocooning effect that seems to be seen in the data when a lot of the adults and family are vaccinated, kids are less likely to get sick. The reason we're seeing a lot of kids um, show up in 
hospitals is a mix of, well, they're the last people that are, you know, sort of susceptible now because a lot of adults are vaccinated, but often in areas where there aren't a lot of adults vaccinated with Delta being so contagious, now they're getting infected. Whereas before they might've been a little resistant, now they're getting infected and some of them are getting hospitalized just by statistical chance because we kind of know what it is. Again, the, the, the overall mortality in children, the death rate is quite low. That was another piece of the data puzzle that I looked at in the Stanford data. So, okay, Idaho's not vaccinating, the Deep South's not vaccinating. And then what's going on with kids? They are increasing. They're at their highest rate of uh, cases since the pandemic began, which is to be expected with Delta and the fact that they can't be vaccinated. But the death rate in children uh, doesn't look like it's you know, dangerously high or rising a lot or anything like that, that's alarming yet. Now these things can all change. Remember that deaths and hospitalizations can lag cases, right? So we're seeing, and that brings me to this point. I did a video uh, about a month ago uh, based on an article by David uh, Wallace-Wells that said, and you can find it on my website or on YouTube or Facebook or wherever, that, that basically said, listen, this, this Delta surge may crash much faster than you think because of the nature of the viral dynamics. So it tears through vulnerable people, it's very contagious, but then people change their behavior. They go get vaccinated, they wash hands, distance, whatever, they maybe cancel some things they were gonna do. Uh, people get natural immunity, vaccine immunity, and the thing peters out, and we've seen this pattern. And the prediction was, if the US were following a UK model, and the UK has more vaccination than us, um, we ought to see it start to, to, to turn around beginning of September. Well, guess what? The cases are starting to come down. Deaths are still rising because they lag, right? They, they, they can happen two weeks, three weeks, a month after cases rise. But we are seeing this happen. So this, this is a reasonably predictable thing. Now, it's not even throughout the country. As I also said in that video, the South, in the South, it may happen first because of this, their summer predilection to be inside. Um, in the Northeast, it may happen later. So it may be patchy. The U.S. is not so homogenous as say Great Britain, it's very spread out geographically. So you're gonna see it come in fits and starts, but the area under the curve, the average is starting to turn around in terms of cases, right? And barring some change, which could always happen, including like something like a moo, which by the way, moo, in order to be more uh, successful than Delta, it's gotta kick so much ass. It's gotta like totally juke the vaccines and it's gotta be hyper transmissible. and. I don't know that we necessarily see that yet, right? Now, it's gonna show up, no doubt, but we're, you know, it's being watched, but it's kind of like, Delta's a superstar, man. And that's, in a way, as Monica said on my show, in a way that's good because, you know, it's not good for the people who are suffering and dying. It's good for the fact that it tears through and generates immunity. So, you know, all these people who are unvaccinated getting infected, some of the vaccinated people who are getting, you know, mild, moderate infection and are getting super immunity now, they're gonna be immune against a lot in the future, maybe even other uh, variants. So this is how you push this thing to turn from a pandemic into something endemic, like a common cold, four of which are caused by coronaviruses. And you can imagine historically, those coronaviruses might've wreaked havoc like these do, like this one does, right? Um, and so that that's kind of the, um, the shift. And uh, Darla Burton says, hey, kids have RSV where I work, not COVID. So RSV is booming. Why is that? Well, it's probably because the, the closers of schools, the 
intense masking, the distancing, the travel restrictions, all that have loosened and RSV is very sensitive to those maybe. And now we're seeing it even off season. It's like catch up. And so all these kids that would have gotten RSV, you know, before are now catching up and getting it, you know, as, as it goes through and whether it's schools or whether it's um, households or whatever it is. And even adults get RSV and they can have these symptoms. There's been a lot of adults getting symptoms of uh, flu-like symptoms that test negative for COVID actually. Um, so we are seeing that. Now, one other interesting piece of data that I saw um, on in the Stanford data set that was compiled from all around was vaccine hesitancy by country. And this is where it gets interesting. Again, it gets to something just, it's just fascinating to me. So guess which country is the most vaccine hesitant? Russia. Russia is the most vaccine hesitant country. Guess who's number two? US. The Russians got a speed on vaccine hesitancy, then the US. And then it's, you know, like the whole cavalcade of things, but we're one of the worst. So you kind of look at this and go, okay, well, now again, what's going on? So is it that Russians just really don't trust their government? Probably. Are they anti-scientific? I don't know. Is there some cultural thing against needles? Maybe. I have no idea. What, why the US? It's belief, it's ideology. It's not like the US are a bunch of genius scientists that are looking at the primary data and seeing flaws in it and going, you know what? I think antibody dependent enhancement's happening. No, they have an aversion to this thing, to being told what to do, to having it be politicized, to being shamed and ostracized, to the perception that it's rushed, to distrust of media, government, institutions, distrust of doctors, right? So a lot of stuff. So all you got to do to, to support your belief is go online. You'll find some, you know, bogus scientist saying something. Well, the lipid nanoparticle uh, accumulates in the ovaries, which is another email I get a lot. And I tell people, yeah, I believe that was an animal study in mice with supraphysiologic doses of this stuff. Like they just basically creamed this mouse and they were like, look, it's in everything. It's like, uh-huh, really? Uh, and then you look at the real world and you go, oh, look at this. What's actually happening in the world? Are people dropping dead of, you know, are, are, are we suddenly a sterile population? No, none of that. We're seeing none of that. And believe me, they're looking. People are like, oh, but the VARES database is showing this and this and this and this. Okay, yeah. Well, what is the background rate of this and this and this and this? And what's going on with VARES? So I've done, I've actually done videos on this. I won't rehash it all. Um, and there is, there are, I'm seeing it in the comments, you know, there are legitimate fears that this whole vaccination pandemic thing is a power grab by, you know, transhumanist Bill Gates types to control the population. And listen, between you and me, that's the most rational fear you can have because it's not talking about science. It's talking about geopolitics and humans, right? Should you trust a billionaire like Gates, no matter how much money he's put here or there? Are there conspiracy theories around rich people? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, are some of these people despicable? <laughs> totally. Should we trust like what anyone in the Silicon Valley says about anything? Not without a lot of due diligence. I know these people, they think they know everything. They are the worst people. 
you know, like it's some, some big tech person is like, well, you know, blah, 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 blah. And you're just like, wow, you're a condescending, dumb piece of crap who thinks they know everything and you don't, you don't even understand people. You're so in your own head, you know, it's amazing. Um, so yeah, that kind of distrust, I, man, I'm with you. I am so with you. I'm still vaccinated, right? And I'm team Moderna. I'm gonna come clean, guys. I didn't choose it, it chose me. The Moderna life, I didn't choose it, it chose me. And I like Moderna for a couple of reasons. I like that high dose. I like this extra week of spacing. Um, but both vaccines are fine, and J&J is fine too. But I like the Moderna too, because it, you know there was NIH funding that went into it. I'm just not a big fan of the big pharmaceutical companies. You know, they, I, I am a big fan of their research sides and their, the physicians who work in their stuff, but their marketing and business side and their the pricing and everything is just, we need a better system, right? Um, but I'll tell you, you know, some, of those, some of those research people are just heroic. Um, so yeah, I'm team Moderna, I gotta say. I'm not saying go out and get Moderna at the exclusion of other things. I'm just saying, I'm team Moderna snitches. Um, have you had COVID? If so, can you talk about your experience? Um, Jessica, no, I haven't had COVID, right? Because I'm part of the zoomocracy. Right? This is the inequity of COVID. Uh, you know, if, if, I, if I go to the hospital, I'm in head to toe PPE. If I do my show and educate and do that thing, which is the predominance of what I do, I don't have to like go out and travel and do all of that, right? I did, I did travel in, in the spring, uh, fully vaccinated, went no masks at all. Las Vegas did a talk for a big um, surgical podiatry conference, like thousand people hugged, shook hands, reconnected. This was in, I don't know, March. I don't, I don't remember um, exactly. But that was like the most exposure I probably could have gotten, you know? And my wife's at Stanford, but they're pretty cautious on-the-job exposure is really rare because everyone's masked and everything. Um, so I didn't get, no one in my family has confirmed COVID. My wife even had her antibodies checked, they were negative before vaccination. Um, but we're all vaccinated. Now, so how is that fair, right? That I can pull that off, but like, you know, an essential worker can't pull that off. And, um, and uh, you know, it's this zoomocracy that's perfectly happy to have kids at home rather than in school. You know, again, it gets to this whole thing about like my deep hatred of the Silicon Valley <laughs> where I live. Like, you know, these people are perfectly happy to put their kids in private school where they can be open and then publicly say that school should be closed, you know? It's just, it's not, it's not right. Um, it's not right. And then you wonder why, you know, people don't trust any of this. Um, people wanting them alt middle sweatshirts. Are you going to sell them in your store? Yeah, we have the supporter tribe number four, life, L-Y-F-E dot com. Whatever we have is there and we do them in little batches. Like we'll make a new set of shirts and Risa will build them and we'll send them out. And, you know, those aren't really to make us money. Those are to kind of get a movement happening, right? So people see the shirt on the street, they ask you questions. Like we had a 5G vaccinated shirt that was like viral. And it, people would ask, why are you against vaccines? Are you for vaccines? And you know, if you're wearing the shirt, you're pretty much for vaccines, but it's hard to tell from the shirt. So then you have to have a conversation with somebody, which again, it takes it off the internet, puts it in real life. Um, and uh, um, yeah, so this, this general resistance 
in America is interesting that you know we have that in common with the Russians, right? So I don't know. I, I, I really, really, really hope you guys, if you haven't been exposed, that you do get vaccinated. I really do. Like that's the punchline of a lot of my emails. Some of my emails when I respond, I say, you know what, I, I you know, whatever you choose is gonna be right because you're low, you're really low risk, but I still would love it to see you get vaccinated just because it's gonna improve the overall immunity. And we don't know what variants coming down the road that you might be protected from severe disease, but not infection. So it's worth, you know, it's worth uh, getting that vaccine. Um, please, please, please do a response video to Tom McDonald's song. I don't know what that is, uh, but it sounds interesting. Um, a movement number one or number two, both. Melissa, uh, essential worker going for my first test tomorrow. Dread the brain jabber. Essential worker, my first test. Oh, they're, yeah. Are they still testing you? Are you vaccinated? So a lot of healthcare workers are not vaccinated. Not so much doctors, but everybody else. Nurses in particular are not vaccinated. Um, I've talked about this quite a bit. I, again, I would really just love to see higher vaccination rates. Like what we, what, what's happening in Europe higher vaccination rates, they're opening up, right? Even post-Delta, Delta crashed pretty quick because there's enough immunity overall. Hospitals don't get fully overwhelmed. They get busy. Listen, hospitals are gonna get busy. That's the nature of this, right? And it sucks. It sucks because healthcare workers are, are really done. They're cooked. It's been terrible. Um, but it's gonna end. And you know there'll probably be another wave or something best thing you can do is be immune. Either because you've been infected before, don't go out and get infected.
Hello, everyone. Well, this is Kevin Watler. Sandra is in court, so she's not able to actually talk right now, but we are waiting for um, the Honorable Wayne Panton to address um, everyone who is, is quite, you know, concerned and waiting for an update on what's going on. And so we just saw standing by. It should be beginning any moment now. Um, so I'm just helping Sandra out while she's unable to, um, again, come on and actually talk. So just stay tuned. And so as soon as it begins, you will completely see it pop up on the screen. Um, but uh, for for some of those who may not um, fully know or, or um, know what's going on, I'll just read you the statement that uh, came out from um, public health this morning. Um, it says public health officials, along with the Ministry of Education, have activated their planned response measures in line with current public health COVID-19 protocols following the chief medical officer's report of the COVID-19 test results for one year six student at the Georgetown Primary School on the 13th of September, 2021. And a quote from um, the, director of, the Director of Education Services, Mr. Mark Ray, um, since receiving notification late Monday evening that one of our students has tested positive for COVID-19, we, along with public health, have immediately activated our continuity of operations plan for schools. In consultation with public health authorities, our staff will be on the ground at the Georgetown Primary School to oversee the implementation of the appropriate measures and to provide support and guidance where needed. And so um, parents of students of the Georgetown Primary School are asked to assist as follows. Students and their families should remain at home until they are contacted sometime this morning by school administration. Sorry, my phone kind of just uh, jumped as I am reading this. So just give me a moment to get back to where I was. Yep, students and their families should remain at home until they are contacted um, this morning by school administration and advised um, at their uh, and advised of a time their year group will be tested for COVID-19. Um, school facilities and buses will be sanitized. Families will be supported by the school counselor and other staff. And um, the chief medical officer, Dr. John Lee said, I want to reassure the community that public health is doing everything to ensure the safety of our students. We can all appreciate that this is a very difficult time for many of us in the community. However, it is best not to spread misinformation and to cooperate with public health officials at this time. I am thankful that we are highly vaccinated, a highly vaccinated community, which will serve us well during times like these. And the Georgetown Primary School will remain closed until they receive clearance to return to school from public health. And all students and parents are advised to wear masks and all other government school, at all other government school facilities. And of course, they, they mentioned that for trusted and reliable source for the latest information is uh, found at www.gov.ky and further visit the gov.ky slash news slash notice board for um, updates. And again, of course, I know CMR, Cayman Mall World would be providing the latest update as it, as it comes in. So again, we were waiting for the live uh, statement 
from the Honorable Wayne Penton, our, our premier, um, with, I guess, the latest update and developments since this morning's press release. And one of the things we got to remember is this is, you know, not something that was completely unexpected. We did know um, with, with different situations that's been going on throughout the community that it was always possible for um, the, the virus to begin to spread in, in the Cayman Islands community. Um, and, and so everyone just needs to remember to, to be ready and ensure that you know how to protect yourself, how to protect your family, and, and also encourage your friends to also do the same. Um, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, with a lot of the uncertainty that's out there, I know public health will be doing the ultimate best in, in ensuring that they're they're carrying out tests and trying to quickly identify cases so people could be um, put into isolation and quarantined as soon as um, they are detected to have the virus. So that will ultimately reduce the spread. But the number one protection would be to first of all get vaccinated that is the absolute number one protection and then afterwards once you are fully vaccinated it's a good idea to right now take your mask and start wearing it out and about in public as you're you're carrying out your your daily routines because again start getting that practice now because ultimately we know more and more cases will start to happen Public health will certainly be doing its job to, to stay on top of it the best they can, but there's going to be a time that it's going to um, be a little bit beyond what their abilities are. Here, I'm in Florida, I'm in Lakeland, Florida, but here in Florida, um, contact tracing is a great tool, but that's when you have not widespread, when you don't have widespread community spread. In Cayman, I think that's that's certainly the situation. You don't have widespread community spread, and so eventually, over time, that might end up changing um, as more and more cases are introduced to the island. So once you start seeing more cases popping up, contact tracing is not going to necessarily be possible to keep up with. So when it's not possible to keep up with, everyone needs to make sure that they are doing their absolute best. To protect themselves and 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 again if you're fully vaccinated you already have some protection um one of the things that i want to highlight for for those folks who um you know are, are a little hesitant on on getting vaccinated or, or or have an argument saying well the vaccination is not going to uh, is not effective because um i'm hearing or i'm reading or i'm seeing on social media that um, you could still get the virus. Okay, well, maybe not as much in Cayman, but at least you could relate to this because you see it on TV or you visited the States or other places. You know police officers, they do wear bullet, bulletproof vests. Does that mean if they if they got shot in a line of duty, does that mean that that bulletproof vest is going to stop that bullet from going all the way through? It will help them, but it's no guarantee. However, if you are doing everything possible, if you're adding a bunch of layers of protection, you're, you're fully vaccinated, you're wearing your mask, you're, you're living a healthy lifestyle, you're going to do much better off. Well, I see Honorable Wayne Panton is now on. So people of the Cayman Islands, I'm here to speak to you about recent developments overnight and to outline the government's position and course of action to be taken today and over the course of the next few days. Late last night, Cabinet and caucus received an urgent briefing from public health and ministry education officials. 
after confirming that one year six student at Georgetown Primary School had tested positive for COVID-19. We were especially alarmed when we learned that the child had no travel history or direct contact with a traveler. Tracking and tracing had begun yesterday. And so far, other members of the child's household have not tested positive. Therefore, out of an abundance of caution, we decided to immediately close the school and activate its planned response measures as guided by the Ministry of Education. Georgetown Primary School will remain closed until it receives clearance to open from public health. Public health has swiftly made arrangements for on-site testing starting this morning with year six to facilitate a quick, orderly and safe process testing all Georgetown Primary School teachers, staff and students. Students, parents or guardians will be contacted this morning and informed of the time to arrive at Georgetown Primary to receive their COVID-19 tests. Students, their parents or guardians should only go uh, to the school at the appointed time. This approach has been taken to ensure accessibility to the Georgetown Primary School community and because it allows public health, health staff to have a wider reach in the shortest amount of time. We're asking for assistance in the following ways. Students, their parents or guardians should remain at home until they're contacted by the school administration and advised of a time their year group will be tested. Students and accompanying parents or guardians are asked to wear masks and to take all precautions, exercising hand hygiene and physical distancing. Additionally, school facilities and buses will be thoroughly sanitized prior to reopening. And families will be supported by the school counselor and other staff. We understand that some households have students that go uh, to both Georgetown Primary and John Gray High School. To be clear, we are only testing Georgetown Primary students and their parents or guardians today. A public health um, advisory will be issued when arrangements are made for students in any other schools. Our teams from across the public sector have worked into the early hours of the morning to ensure that the best plans were put in place, making the well-being of our children our priority. We have had no shortage of reminders over the past week that the global pandemic is far from over, even here in the Cayman Islands. No doubt complacency has slowly crept in among us. And as we changed our behaviors, including our compliance with the regulations, there should be no surprise that we have seen the tide quickly shift. Positive 19 cases emerging from within the community is a worrying trend. It is in moments like these that we should all be truly thankful that the Cayman Islands enjoy such a high rate of vaccination. But we must not again let complacency creep in. The science is clear and unequivocal. 
vaccines help to prevent people from dying and getting seriously ill. Please be reminded of today's vaccination clinic for Tuesday, 14 September at Kamana Bay, starting at 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. and then again from 4 p.m. until 7.30 p.m. Get vaccinated to protect yourself and those you love. We know that public health safety measures and responsible behaviors add a wall of protection around our most vulnerable, including those who cannot protect themselves. There is no doubt the wall of protection is needed and needed now. As previously mentioned during our September 8th press uh, briefing, the government is reviewing a number of measures in regards to the October 14th further reopening of the borders and the implementation of increased public health measures. This morning, the cabinet will be meeting to finalize additional public health measures in light of the development of two separate incidents of community transmission, including mass mandates, increased surveillance testing, consideration of quarantine periods, and revisiting the rules around who can visit Cayman. Based on the information that we have at this time, we are not considering a lockdown. We will hold a press briefing at 5 p.m. this afternoon to further update our community about this developing situation. Ladies and gentlemen, I know there is a tremendous amount of anxiety and heightened concern, especially because for all of us, there is nothing more important to us than our children. We are committed to being open, transparent, and honest with you, so you will remain informed when the additional test, test results come back. I want to salute our dedicated public health officials working tire tirelessly to reassure and keep our staff, parents, and students safe. I urge the community to continue to remain vigilant, rely on trusted news sources for official information, and to comply with public health guidance and regulations. If you feel uncertain or display possible symptoms, please contact the flu hotline at 947-3077 or 1-800-534-8600. You can also send an email to flu at hsa.ky. In closing, I extend my very best wishes for a speedy recovery to that dear student and to all others who have recently tested positive. Thank you and God bless our Cayman Islands.